City Council Public Finance Authority to order. Roll call, City Clerk, may you call the roll, please. Thank you, Mayor. Council Member Mosier. Oh, excuse me, Council Member Kalmick. Here. Council Member Mosier. Here. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Here. Mayor Strickland. Here. Council Member McKeon. Here. Council Member Bolton. Here. Council Member Burns. Here. All present. And I'd like to announce that uh, City Clerk of Stanis Stanislaw re requested permission to be absent pursuant to Charter Section 310A. There being no objections, the minutes will reflect that. She's excused. Announcement of supplemental communication. City Clerk, do, uh, do we have any supplemental communications? We have none for this portion of the meeting. Uh, City Clerk, do we have anyone signed up to speak for public comments? Yes, we do. We have one person that's signed up. I'd like to call down Galen Pickett to speak. Well, good afternoon, and um, first, let me say that uh, I do uh, keep uh, Christmas as a holiday, and if you do as well, I hope you have a merry and a meaningful Christmas. Secondly, um, having uh, the opportunity for an ordinary uh, citizen to address his governance, um, to petition for the redress of grievances, is such an American and foundational um, uh, element of our governance that it's in the First Amendment to the Constitution, the fourth of the enumerated rights. So I'm grateful for both for the opportunity to address you tonight. And my grievance is not that grievous today. Um, I, what I wanted to speak about was um, item 29 on the agenda that you'll be getting to in about two hours, I expect. Um, this agenda item mentions a 90-day plan for dealing with uh, homelessness in the city, and I just assume that this was um, campaign puffery, smoke and mirrors, but the text of the uh, item makes it clear that this plan actually exists, and it's the work product of a public employee of this city, former Chief Rob Handy. Now, as a citizen of this city, as a property owner in this city, as a voter in this city, I've got the right to see the work product of the people I'm paying to do the work of governance. So I would very much appreciate seeing this plan. And it could easily just be added to the agenda as a link. You must have it in an electronic format because part of the um, item is that this plan is going to be transmitted to Chief Para and he's going to develop his own 90-day plan based upon it. Now the reason I want to see the plan is not to pick holes in it. It's not to... Um, uh, to um, hold anyone to account, really. The way a plan works is by the uh, cooperation of everyone involved in its execution. I want to see what's in this plan so that I can help it succeed. I've been volunteering um, in various homeless um, service organizations in the city since 2019, and credited or not, um, no one that I work with wants there to be anyone miserable living in a park. No one I'm working with wants anyone, any fourth grade kid, any fifth grade kid, to be doing their homework in a car, trying to keep their classmates from knowing that they don't have a fixed abode. So this is super easy. The city clerk's office is very capable of just adding these sorts of links to an agenda, even while a meeting's um, ongoing. I've seen it happen. Um, now, 
I believe I've got a right to see this, and I don't want to get off on the wrong foot and uh, start with open records requests right off the bat, uh, but this is a, a, a prime opportunity for you, Mr. Mayor, to, um, uh, to instantiate um, your, um, your transparency. Thank you. That concludes public comments. So um, now we're going to close uh, session uh, pursuant to government code 54957.6. The city council takes the opportunity to publicly introduce and identify designated labor negotiators. Um, our city attorney is home ill um, with COVID, so he will not participate today. Uh, Peter Brown. Mayor, just the city manager. I think you meant city manager, not city city attorney. Will be oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought I said city manager. Apologize. Thanks for the correction. Um, and then um, uh, Peter Brown, chief negotiator, also in attendance will be Brittany Mello, administrative services director, Travis Hopkins, assistant city manager, Eric Para, chief of police, uh, Dale Bolson, chief financial officer. Uh, Sunny Reef, Assistant CFO, uh, they'll participate, participate in today's closed session discussions regarding labor negotiations with the Huntington Beach Police Officers Association. Uh, recess to close a session. Mayor, call for yeah, could you make a motion? motion. Yeah. Yeah. Sec I second. It's moved by uh, Councilman Kalmick and seconded by uh, Councilwoman Vandermark. So we're going to closed session. Yeah.
a swinging Christmas, just like one, two, three.
authority meeting and call to order a special meeting of the housing authority parking authority and success 
successor agency to the former redevelopment agency of Huntington Beach. Roll call, Sid Clerk, can you please call the roll? Yes, Mayor. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Councilmember Mosier? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Here. Mayor Strickland? Here. Councilmember McKeon? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, HB. <laughs> Councilmember Bolton? Here. Councilmember Burns? Here. All present. And City Clerk of Stanislaw requested permission to be absent pursuant to Charter Section 310A. Thank you. Thank you, Clerk. Uh, Pledge of Allegiance will be led today by Councilman uh, Casey McKeon. Please stand. Please stand, everyone. Ready? Begin. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yeah. Now we have invocation. Um, Charles Needleman of Temple, ba uh, Beth David in uh, Westminster, and a member of the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council. Let us pray. <clears throat> o guardian of life and liberty, may our nation always merit your protection. Teach us to give thanks for what we have by sharing with those in need. Keep our eyes open to the wonders of creation and alert to the care of the earth. May we never be lazy in the work of peace. May we honor those who died in defense of our ideals. Grant our leaders wisdom and forbearance. May they govern with justice and compassion. Help us to appreciate one another and to respect the many ways we may serve you. May our homes be safe from strife and affliction. May our community and our country be sound in body and spirit. Let us say amen. Thank you. Due to technical issues on the December uh, 6th meeting, the musical tribute, Proud to be an American by Lee Greenwood, will be replayed now.
Closed session report by City Attorney Michael Gates. City Attorney, do you have anything to report? Thank you, Mayor. Nothing tonight. Yes, I have quite a few here to announce. Uh, for Council Committee appointment announcements, item number nine, I've got three email communications received regarding Mayor Strickland's 2023 Council Liaison List. For consent calendar item number 11, there were two email communications received regarding modifying the city attorney's salary schedule. For administrative item number 25, there was an inner department communication submitted by Brittany Mello, admin services director, providing clarification on the fiscal impact of adding one new director level in position in the city. And Ms. Mello also submitted a revised PowerPoint presentation titled Administrative Services Department Reorganization. Then the rest of the items were all for council member items that were received for number 26. There was a letter from the American Civil Liberties Union Foundation, the First Amendment Coalition regarding an anonymous reporting of code enforcement complaints. A letter was received from the Orange County Employees Association and the Huntington Beach Municipal Employees Organization regarding anonymous reporting of code enforcement complaints and eight email communications re received regarding that. For number 27, there were four email communications re uh, regarding re proposed raising of campaign contribution li limits. Number 28, received two email communications regarding the request to perform a CEQA review for the Great Pacific Air Show. Number 29, there were three email communications regarding the report on homelessness, anti-camping, and anti-loitering laws. Number 30, received a draft greenhouse gas reduction program submitted by Councilmember Kalmick. And 13 email communications received regarding withdrawal from the OCPA. Number 31, we received email communication regarding the request to pause the Main Street redevelopment project. Number 32, an email communication regarding the request for HPPD crime statistics and enhanced public safety enforcement activities. Number 33, we received a state auditor RENA fact sheet from Councilmember Kalmick and a State Auditor Rena March 2022 report from Councilmember Kalmick. We also received a letter from the Yimby Law regarding Rena mandate and adopting an ordinance to ban builders' remedy developments, and three email communications regarding opposing Rena mandate and adopting the ordinance to ban builders' remedy developments. And lastly, number 34, a memo including legal documents submitted by Councilmember Kalmick regarding his relationship to Craig Steele, and two email communications received regarding the request for information and actions related to the RWG report. Thank you, Clerk. Uh, public comments. Uh, pursuant to the Brown Open Meetings Act, the City Council may now enter into discussion at this time. Individuals who wish to speak to a member of the Council on any item uh, that's not on the agenda may consider uh, setting up an individual appointment by contacting the council's administrative assistant at 714-536-5553. Those wishing to provide a comment uh, on the agendized and non-agendized items may do so either in person by filling out a request to speak form or via Zoom webinar by computer or phone. 
Zoom webinar participants wishing to speak will be provided a 15-minute window to select the raise the hand feature in the webinar control section. All speakers are encouraged but not required to identify themselves by name. Each speaker may have up to three minutes unless the volume of the speaker's warrants reduce uh, the time of allowance. City Clerk, do we have anyone signed up to speak today? Yes, we do. We have 27 in person right now. Okay. And I'll call the first 10. Great. Art Estrada, Danny Parks, Amory Hansen, Mary Jo Baratish, Linda Rose, Connie Boardman, Nabila Yusuf, Casey Faulkner, Russ Neal, and Laura Sire. I guess I'll go. Good evening, council members and Mayor Strickland. My name is Connie Boardman. I served on the council for eight years and twice as mayor. And this experience has caused me to have concerns over a number of the council items this evening. I have time to briefly address two items, number 27 and 28. With item 28, please explain during the council's discussion how this is not a gift of public funds to use taxpayer money to pay for a CEQA review required for a private business. And why would you even consider giving taxpayer money to a business that, according to tonight's agenda, has an active lawsuit against the city, and I believe still owes the city money um, from several years ago? Not to mention that the gift of public funds is specifically pro uh, prohibited by the state's constitution. Um, don't you see how bad this looks, or um, do you care? Item 27 raises the City Council's campaign contribution limits to those of candidates for Assembly and State Senate. This item would raise the maximum contribution per person for City Council races from $620 a person, which it is currently, to what exactly? The amount's not mentioned in the agenda item, perhaps because the increase is so embarrassingly large. Mayor Strickland is proposing to go from being able to raise a maximum of $620 per person to $4,900 per person. That's an increase of almost eight times. Assembly members represent a minimum of 465,000 people. State senators represent a million people. There are 196,000 people in Huntington Beach with 133 voters. A successful council candidate does not need to be able to raise $5,000 from a donor. The four newly elected council members just proved that. Mayor Strickland raised $160,000 in cash contributions with the current limitations in effect. And that is way more than you need to run a council campaign in Huntington Beach. And I know that because the other successful candidates raised between forty dollars and $65,000 in cash contributions, and here they are. But then this isn't really about raising money for future city council races, is it? Campaign limits are there to help provide a level playing field to encourage a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds to run from city, for city council. Raising this to $5,000 per donor would obliterate that. Wanting to raise almost $5,000 per donor for a council campaign is one of the new, if, is, that, that is one of the new majority's first agenda items, is an indication to the people of the city as to where and what your priorities are. Proposing to use taxpayer money to pay for a politically connected private business expense is another indication of where your priorities are. And they're not with the average member of this community. You've made it shockingly obvious very early that your priorities are with your own self-interests. 
I would love to be wrong, so prove me wrong. Vote no on number 27 and 28. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and City Council. My name is Arthur Estrada, and I'm a member of the Huntington Beach Mobile Home Residents Coalition. And I'd like to ask you tonight to listen to the speakers on the Zoom who are not well enough tonight to attend. And I'm concerned about the mayor's appointment of Casey McKeon and Gracie Vandermark as City Council liaisons to the Mobile Home Advisory Board. Both selections re received campaign contributions from the Manufactured Housing Education Trust Fund, or MHET, an industry group dedicated to the interest of mobile home park owners to the detriment of the mobile home park residents. Worse, one of the campaign benefactors of, who, of the two proposed council liaisons sits on the mobile home advisory board. How is that not a conflict of interest? How does that not give a perception of bias. Normally, we would take the uh, objection to the full city council, but the incoming council majority all received similar campaign contributions from the support of MHET. And we could take it on an objection to the city attorney, but he also took campaign money from MHET and might allow uh, uh, and may allow an appointment to previously unqualified Vicki Telly from MHET to serve on the Mobile Home Advisory Board. In the that just doesn't seem right. How does the the uh, deck is now the deck is decidedly stacked against us? and we would have no resource except to pursue litigation or plead our case to the media. I don't know if the mayor and the city council majority care about the effects of our priority, but these selections are ill-considered at best. We urge you to appoint two new council liaisons who are not conflicted and who would provide full representation and fairness. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and City Council members. My name is Linda Rose, and I've been a homeowner in Huntington Beach for 45 years. Um, I'm interested to learn from the new people on the Homeless Task Force, the board members, um, about um, what, what, what their result was and what they learned from that. Because like all of us here, I'm also interested in public safety. Um, we are very blessed to have the Navigation Center in Huntington Beach who house currently 137 homeless people um, that keep them safe and keep us safe too. Um, and Mercy House is doing a really good job right now of getting them into permanent housing. Um, also compliments to those um, who work on the Be Well vans. They've done a really good job. Other cities are copying us and do, using that as well. And also I want to thank the police force for, especially their homeless task force, because um, I was a part of that Everyone Counts, the PIT group, where we counted a certain part of Huntington, Huntington Beach, and the police officer kept us safe and also had good rapport with those that were on the street so that they would answer our questions and make a good final report for them. Um, I'm also, I also appreciate um, the Homeless Task Force, and I want to thank you for listening to me. Um, a Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and Happy New Year to you all.
Good evening. My name is Nabila Youssef, and I would like to congratulate all of you on a very well-run campaign and being elected. being elected with such a large margin. You have a mandate. You told us what you are going to do, and I look forward to you doing what you promised the people who elected you to do. Uh, I would like to also address two points only. The first one is the uh, anonymous complaint uh, item. I totally support it. From my own experience, a high percentage of these complaints are harassment. And if someone is serious, with serious concern, they should put their name down, they should show up, they should show their faces, and, uh, and the accused should have the opportunity to face the accuser. That's even in the legal system, so we should implement it in, the, in, in, in code violation. The second one was addressed before, and it has to do with the um, political contribution. We've seen what happened in Georgia. We don't want that obscene amount of money being spent on um, election. I, as a, a, an individual with limited means, I want, I want to, my voice to be heard. I want to be able to express it. I cannot compete with Google. Twitter, or any of these large organizations. So please, if anything, I would ask you to work with Sacramento to reduce the limit on the state level instead of raising our limit. And finally, I would like you to look into the word equity and remove it from anything. Because as a woman of color and in a field of engineering, I was always fighting for equality, never equity. I don't want anyone to guarantee my outcome because of my skin color. I, or because I am a woman, I fought all my life to be treated equally and be given an equal opportunity. That's all I can ask for, and on my merit, I succeeded, and I think it's insulting to say that people of color or whoever is need to be pushed on merit, they will succeed. All they need is just a chance, an equal opportunity. Good luck to you, because even with the smartest people and the well-intentioned people, you still need some luck. Wish you the best. Uh, good evening, Mayor and City Council members. My name is Mary Jo Baratich. I'm the president of Cabrillo Beachfront Village, HOA, and also a member of the Mobile Home Residents Coalition here in the city. And finally, I'm a member of the Mobile Home Advisory Board. I'm concerned about agenda item number 27, submitted by Merrick Strickland. Yes, we are the fourth largest city in Orange County, but our municipal code 2.07050 already allows for a reasonable limit on monetary contributions to candidates. Independent contributions are different. Requesting the amount 
to be raised up to contributions for assembly and Senate limits, which is currently $4,900, is not really reasonable for a city of our size and capacity. Our local city candidates are only running for positions in our city, not campaigning throughout the entire assembly and Senate districts, which considers a lot of people. The other three larger cities can be compared. Anaheim, with a population of 347,000, allows $2,200. Santa Ana, with a population of 335,000, allows a maximum of $1,000. Irvine, with a population of 260,000, allows a maximum contribution of 550. Elect, um, Irvine, uh, Contribution limits are also adjusted every two years in an electric cycle upon the consumer price index. Here in Huntington Beach, with a population of 197,000, our contribution limit this year is $620, and each year can be raised based upon the consumer price index again. This needs to be carefully looked at prior to entertaining a vote by the city council. And I thank you for your time. And I do hope to have a very good year. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. My name is Mr. Amory Hansen. I'm speaking tonight in support of item 33A, Councilman McKeon's item, to authorize the city attorney to challenge the regional housing needs assessment mandate. It cannot be denied that Huntington Beach needs affordable housing. I have long proposed creating a Section 8 housing voucher program which would allow low-income residents to have a discount on the already many homes and apartments available in Huntington Beach without the need to build 13,000 units. And that right there is the point. Huntington Beach does not need 13,000 units of housing. This allocation was made in 2020 at the time the population census was conducted, but prior to the release of the new population numbers of Huntington Beach and California. This is one of many reasons the methodology of this allocation process was flawed. Huntington Beach may not win a lawsuit, but the City Council should fight for our beloved city's appropriate housing allocation in the hills of Orange, in the valleys of Los Angeles, and in the bridges of San Francisco. Should the Council approve Councilman McKeon's item, it will be the duty of the City Attorney to prepare arguments and to represent Huntington Beach in this litigation. I have gotten to know the city attorney quite well for the last few years and have full confidence in his ability to do the duties given to him by the city council. To paraphrase Lord Nelson, let every Huntingtonian do his duty. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and City Council. My name is Danielle Parks. I'm actually speaking on behalf of Carol Rohr and the rest of our, the rest of our organization. She is the president of the Huntington Beach Mobile Home Resident Coalition. The Mobile Home Advisory Board is very important to manufactured housing homeowners and all residents of mobile home parks in our city. It is a sounding board for all who are concerned with mobile home park issues. It is a balance of resident, park owner, and community interests. The two council liaisons play an important role in helping to select new board members and properly represent the views expressed in board meetings. 
It is critical that the council liaisons are fair, objective, and unbiased in serving in this role. It is also critical that the board's council liaisons have the respect and confidence of the mobile home community and that there are no overt conflicts of interest in serving in their duties. Unfortunately, the mayor's selection of two council liaisons to the mobile home advisory board raises major conflict of interest issues. Both selections have not only received significant campaign contributions from the mobile home industry, which presents a perception of bias, but the executive director and political action committee principal of a major industry group donor to their election campaign sits on the mobile home advisory board. How is that not a conflict of interest? In addition, both liaison selections appeared to be indifferent, if not adversarial, to the best interest of mobile home park residents. Our group respectively requests that the mayor select two new council liaisons to the mobile home advisory board who do not have conflicts of interest, who do not have demonstrated ties to one side of the board, who have not received campaign contributions from this side, and who would provide fair and unbiased representation for the mobile home community and our local government. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and members of the City Council. My name is Russell Neal, and I live in Huntington Beach. We'll look at you. You're really there. <laughs> turns out, it turns out that it, it turns out it was not a dream after all. <laughs> so one thing I'm really happy about is how the new board majority reached out to the average citizen with your meet and greets and with your contract for Huntington Beach, uh, which you are today taking the first steps to fulfilling. I encourage you to keep reaching out to the residents, they will be your political bulwark against the pressure of special interests. Uh, in connection with that, I would point out that while the, count, while the money you can give to candidates is limited to 620, the money that's being spent by the special interest on independent expenditures is essentially unlimited, and it's better to get it back to the candidate. <clears throat> the other thing, that I would uh, like to emphasize is the importance of recovering our right to local control over local matters, which has been under assault from both Sacramento and Washington. This will not be an easy fight, and the forces arrayed against you are formidable. You will need the understanding and the support of the residents in order to be successful. I also encourage you to form alliances with other cities and counties in this state who are also fighting this battle, such as our Neighborhood Voices Initiative. And so with that, God bless you, have a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Thank you. Awesome applause. Uh, my name is uh, Casey Faulkner, and welcome to the new board. Uh, I hope you have a great four years, and I hope that over the next couple of years that together it is, and you make the city even better than it uh, you know, has been in the past as we move forward in the, 
in the future. I'm with the Surfrider Foundation. This is Richard Bush, also with the Surfrider Foundation. And together, the city and Surfrider Foundation has had a very special you know, bond over the, over the years. Over 20 some odd years, we have worked closely together to keep our beaches, ocean, and waves clean. And we're hoping that we can continue to do that. And with that, I want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, and let's talk about something fun. And that is January 1st, we will have the 23rd Annual Surf City Splash. And that is an event that you are all formally invited to. Richard has the invitations here, you know, so he can uh, get those to the Sergeant at Arms. You're all invited there. I know the Brown Act precludes us from talking, so what I want you to do is just get into your best diving suit to take a plunge in the ocean. No talking. You can use snorkels, though, to breathe if you want. You know, whatever it is, but that's what we're going to be doing on January 1st. And the whole community, you are all invited, and I want to see all of you there on January 1st at the 23rd Annual Surf City Splash because it's a great event, it's a great community event, and I know, thank you, um, Gracie, for you know, already you know, responding, and you are on the list of speakers right now for responding, so I hope you have something great to say. So again, we want to invite all of you there, and really this is just a public service announcement to start the fun and start the new year off right, and we hope to see everybody in the community there because it is a free event, Zach's is providing a breakfast burrito breakfast, not for free, but you can sign up on the, online at hbsurfcitysplash.com in order to pre-order a breakfast burrito and help us raise some money so we can keep the momentum going where Surfrider can help keep Surf City clean. Thank you, everyone. Surf Rider Foundation, they're awesome. I'm, I'll be there on the first. <laughs> um, good evening to uh, Mayor Strickland and uh, council members, to all the council members, and especially to the new council members. My name's Laura Sire, and I am a longtime, like 60-year resident. <laughs> I don't, I'm not old, but I've been here. <laughs> 60 years as a resident of Huntington Beach. Um, I'm here tonight as a uh, Huntington Beach citizen to urge, to actually urge a no vote on item number nine on tonight's agenda. It calls for approval of Mayor Strickland's 2023 council liaisons list. And this, this for folks in the gallery and at home, it's, it's on the internet. Um, I saw it recently and I was actually quite stunned to see this list with nearly all appointments given to the new members of the council. Didn't seem very fair to me. <laughs> the three experienced prior members of the council were given a total, I, I just thought I'd add them up and I did, twice I checked them. There were 10 places on these different boards and commissions and there were 10 places given to the prior experienced members, and um, there were uh, an astonishing 74 spots given by Mayor Strickland to the, to the four new members. I was a first grade teacher, and 
That just doesn't sound fair to me, and I don't think it's fair to the, to the city. Um, we have almost 200,000 residents. We have seven members of the council. So I, uh, I strongly, strongly object uh, uh, to this and don't think that it's a fair representation for the population of Huntington Beach. Also, excuse me, I believe that li liaison positions, it's not my job, I know, I, I, I just want to comment that I think that it should be fair and they should be apportioned equitably and thoughtfully and those with knowledge and or experience should be matched to the appropriate committee, board or commission. I strongly and respectfully again ask that this um, list be reconsidered and revised. Second, I'm here. Second, I'm here as a member of Homeless United Huntington Beach, and as homelessness is a particularly important area of government service, I advocate for at least one experienced council member to be on the homeless task force. Um, this position, uh, actually any, any position or board commission that is related to homelessness, there should be somebody who has, who has served the last two years, a lot was done, and a lot of things have been established. And I know that there's an audit process requested, but I think you should know everything about that's been done in the last two years by these people, by the former council. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Happy holidays. I'll call, I'll call the next group of people. Jocelyn Rabbit-Sire, Christopher Waring, Wendy Rincon, Bethany Webb, Kathy Ryder, Natalie Rokos, Kathy Carrick, Dave Sullivan, Carrie Swan, Mark Dixon, Courtney Gillette, Roger Knorr, Bill Hennerdy, Pat Goodman, Lisa Swanson, Danielle Parks, and Annalise Flanagan Frankel. Good evening, Mayor Strickland, council, city council members, and staff. My name is Jocelyn Rabbit-Sire, and I'm a 23-year resident of Huntington Beach. I would like to extend a warm welcome to our four new council members and thank our continuing three for your tireless efforts to benefit all of us. I would also like to comment on agenda item number 30, the proposed vote on severing ties with the Orange County Power Authority, or the OCPA, and or change the default rate. I would urge you to vote no on this item. Our partnership with the OCPA has made Huntington Beach a leader in Orange County and California as a whole by allowing citizens to choose the sources of their electricity. Community choice aggregators, or CCAs, may be new to our town, but you probably already know that they have gained popularity across California and the nation since 2010, precisely because they have delivered on their promise of clean, reliable energy, returning profits back to communities instead of shareholders. There are now 19 CCAs in California in 160 towns, cities, and counties, including Alhambra, 
Culver City, Downey, and Santa Monica. I want to have a choice in terms of how much, how much of my electricity is derived from renewable sources. And I want my family, friends, and neighbors in Huntington Beach to have that same choice. Please stay with the OCPA to ensure this choice to all of Huntington Beach. Additionally, please do not move the default rate from 100% the 100% renewable choice to the basic rate. Customers can easily make the shift to a cheaper rate employing less renewable energy sources by using their website. Residents can also easily opt out of OCPA there as well. However, I don't even see any reasons any reason why ratepayers would want to opt out when the basic choice rate with OCPA has all already reached parity with SCEs. Even better, the basic rate is slated to become 2% lower than SCE's generation rates just a month from now. Staying with the 100% default rate produces citywide benefits to public health and the environment for all residents as it is expected to reduce fossil fuel pollution by one million metric tons. That is the equivalent of taking 200,000 cars off the road in terms of air pollutants. For these reasons, I would entreat you to maintain our membership in the OCPA and leave our default rate. Thank you so much. Good evening, Council. I welcome the new members. Thank you much. I've spoken here before. Uh, I'm going to speak about uh, rent controls. Now, we have a lot of people that are talking rent controlled. I am a senior, I some of the other people, but uh, my family have been owners over here in uh, Surf City Beach Cottages, which was formerly Pacific uh, Trailer Park, for uh, going into our 57th year. Uh, prior to that, long before probably most of you, uh, we lived on the beach. We had three departments on the beach back in the 50s, so I guess we can be considered locals. Uh, anyway, I'm here to just touch uh, my situation. I'm retired senior on a fixed income, and I've been paying uh, $167 for the last eight to 10 years. Now, that has been wavered between 8 and 10% of my previous bill, which, uh, if you recall, before inflation hit, we had inflation for a number of years of maybe a half a percent. So I was being charged an additional eight to 10%. Well, I got a letter back in September from Star Management and they said, uh, my rent's going up 167. And at the time for my current bill, it uh, equates to about 7.25%. And I, uh, I was a professor in the university. I have an advanced degree in economics. And a comment was made by the individual writing the letter said that, uh, uh, okay, uh, realize that this is below the 8.25% uh, inflation at that time. And I said, gee, that's really great. That equates to about 16%. Right now I pay close to 80% of my retirement paying to live on the beach, you know, Surf City, USA. I think I've lived here long enough to be entitled to stay here. Uh, basically, that, uh, that wraps it up. Um, that's about all I have to say. I just think something for all the people here who pay, but particularly for the seniors, because I've enjoyed Huntington Beach. I've contributed my life to Huntington Beach. I thank you for your time and wish you happy holidays. Thank you.
Hi, my name is Wendy Rencon. I'm a lifelong resident of Huntington Beach. I've attended Huntington Beach schools. I've raised my children here. I own a home here. Um, I, I, first off, welcome to the new city council members. I've been in this position a number of times. I know that oftentimes what I have to say, your decisions have already been made. I'm deeply concerned over the liaison committee appointments. It feels extremely divisive. I think that is the last thing that the city needs at this point. I think that the imbalance of, as Ms. Sire said earlier, 10 appointments to 74. I think that many of us in the, in the community who maybe don't feel represented by many members, the new members in particular, to remove someone like Councilwoman Natalie Moser for no other reason than what feels like punishment is really unacceptable. Secondly, regarding item number 26, according to the ACLU and the fact analysis which you have all received, the council has misunderstood the protection of the Sixth Amendment, which is the right to be confronted with witnesses against him. To be able to anonymously file a complaint against the code enforcement as a woman, as someone who has had people show up at my door unannounced, uninvited, it feels, again, it could be a bit punitive. Mm -hmm. That list would not necessarily be private. So that means if I feel the need to make a code enforcement complaint, my name could be released to anyone. Mm -hmm. As a woman, again, I don't feel safe doing that. Does that mean I'm now no longer able to file a complaint. I don't think that's the direction the city council really should go. Regarding the item number 27, raising limits. A lot of money was spent this past election, and I don't think that you want anyone to feel that you have bought your seat. <laughs> I think that many people here should be able to run for city council because they feel they have something to offer to our city, not because they have a deep pocket or they've got a bunch of friends with deep pockets. It should be because you feel passionately about this city. And oftentimes that does not mean you have the money to donate $4,900 to a city council member. If we're worried about funding, let's talk about the dark money then, let's talk about the money that really does not need to be disclosed where it's coming from. So. As the items that this council has put forth in your second meeting, I find it deeply disturbing that these are showing to be your priorities. Thank you. My name is Bethany Webb. Um, I wanted to put my attention to Mayor Strickland, because I think that we should start there. I know you're new to Huntington Beach. You've been here two years, somewhere around there? I don't, th uh, maybe, about two years. Um, I'm sorry, if you want to put that on record, that's what I read. So less than three years, can we agree less than three years you've lived in Huntington Beach? Okay. Well, the voters... <laughs> The voters, so if I'm, is that going to continue on my time? Let me just continue on my time. I am a 40-year Huntington Beach resident. Um, I am friends with the surfers. If people, I'm sure you haven't heard of Billy Webb, but a lot of people that know my brother who has been here 
and is a well-regarded part of this community. My husband, who's with me, is a well-regarded part of the biker community. I have been on the PTA. I have raised both my children who went to school here. So there's a lot of people that don't understand that your voters were paid to change this. So when you pat yourself on the back, understand something, that those of us that live here and have lived here, those of us that are from Huntington, that wanted to have unity, and the first thing on your agenda was to take somebody, a lifelong Huntington Beach resident, Natalie Moser, who had been on a committee for public relations and put a known anti-Semite who has been labeled by the ALDL as an anti-Semite. That is not, that's what we're having. If you want to talk about it, and then if you want to raise the, the wage for Mr. Gates, that is not slander, that's the ADL. If you don't like what I said, check the ADL. The ADL has labeled Ms. Vandermark uh, as an anti-Semite. Madam, madam. That's ma what has happened. Madam, in oh, order in this, order in this chamber, or you're gonna be removed. Order in this chamber. I will not tolerate that. All comments come through the chair. They don't was, specifically go to any of the council members. I was and, talking to you directly. Then talk to me directly, okay. but do not address any of the other council members I in a negative not. way. I did not. I said you selected well, an anti-Semite to they, replace no, somebody that is a... That's unacceptable. Okay. And, may and I, I would say that to any member that's being attacked. It's, it's been affirmed by the ADL. The Anti-Defamation League has Mayor, affirmed that she's... Mayor. I'm just saying true facts. To the attorney gates. To yeah. the attorney gates. I'm also going to caution the speakers. And racist, I'm we, sorry. We do, not, we, do not, we do not tolerate defamatory speech, so refrain from making defamatory statements. Thank you. Okay, will do. So in my final thing, if Mr. Gates, since you decide to address me, if you want to get a raise, could we put an uh, attachment that the $4 million as a homeowner in Huntington Beach, you've also always, you have already wasted my tax dollars that if you want to get a raise, can we take everything you lose in all of your baloney lawsuits back to us and pay them, the Huntington Beach residents back for our time? Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Council. And you know, Freedom of speech even protects, protects crazy, right? So, good, um, good evening, Mayor Strickland and City Council, Carrie Swan here. Um, I'm saddened that Ms. Bolton has left the room, but I'm not surprised. First, let me say what a pleasure it is to be here addressing the four new council members and a full three minutes, thank you, Lord. And um, for the record, I'm here to support the Council Agenda Items 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, and 34. And, and in general, um, I'm really excited that you've hit the ground running to address the damage that was done by the previous Council majority. But in particular, I'm really here to address something that happened during the meeting of December 6th following the swearing-in of new council members, and a moment 
that has been troubling me for days, and I believe it's important to say something and share it with the community as well. There was a moment that spoke loudly to me. It illustrates how completely disingenuous our anointed Bolton, uh, Council Member Bolton is, who has you know, left the room, typical. Now, Ms. Bolton is a professional diversity, equity, inclusion consultant. She has a consulting business, a DEI consulting business. She's also a lawyer, so no doubt a smart individual. So after Mayor Strickland was voted in as mayor and a motion to vote Council Member Vandermark as Mayor Pro Tem, Ms. Bolton knew that her vote, either for or against, was inconsequential. The vote was going to pass. So at that moment in time, one would think she might have shown character and unity and place her vote in favor of Ms. Vandermark, a woman of color, the first Latina woman ever elected in Huntington Beach. Not by four votes, not anointed by four, but by 33,833 votes. <clears throat> Ms. Bolton's decision to not support her with her vote proves that his, her rhetoric, her entire business model is a lie, basically a fraud. Her, le her leftist progressive ideology is clearly more important than actual diversity. So since we are entering a new dawn here at City Hall, perhaps Ms. Bolton, maybe she'll watch the video later, I doubt it, but Ms. Mosier and Mr. Kalmick can spare us your condescending and disingenuous lectures about humanity and dignity and respect, because what you are really saying is you only respect your own ideological brethren, not us unruly conservatives. And with that, God bless you all, and a very Merry Christmas. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and council members. My name's Pat Goodman, and I'm a longtime homeowner here in Huntington Beach. And through my church, I volunteer for the Self-Help Interfaith Program. This is an all-volunteer program that serves homeless, employable adults. It serves about six to eight adults at any one time, and it's been uh, operating since the early 90s. I'm here tonight to speak about agenda item 29. This item requests staff to provide data on homeless services since the inception of the Navigation Center. Um, reports are definitely meaningful, and especially if you're making decisions, so I applaud that. Um, uh, but I want to put a little bit of context into the mix and uh, note some history here that um, is also important. Uh, it was the 2014, in, it was in 2014 that our city council engaged CityNet to perform a survey of the city's activities around homeless services. Most of the services like food, clothing, transportation, et cetera, were done by the faith community and nonprofits, and they still do. As a result of this uh, CityNet activity report, the city council approved a homeless task force, and um, I think it was unanimous, and they all had representatives on it. And they came up with, they studied the situation, all that kind of stuff, looked at local cities, um, best practices, that kind of thing. And one of the recommendations was 
to formalize the services that really were being performed by the police at the time. So, um, but a little bit more dedicated effort. And so the Homeless Task Force was initiated, I think in about 2015. Um, and around the time, I guess about 2018 or so, uh, many cities were feeling the pressure from the courts to provide shelter for the unhoused. Um, if they wanted to impose anti-camping laws, there had to be a place for unhoused people to go, there, which makes sense, right? This was pressure on, uh, there was pressure on all cities to have temporary shelters. Our 2019 council at the time approved a resolution that stated we uh, stated an emergency house, we were in an emergency housing crisis. Um, the, this generated activity to secure a temporary shelter here in Huntington Beach. In late 2020, after two years of the emergency resolution, um, the shelter was opened. The site could accommodate uh, up to 174 people, but because of COVID, the numbers had to be reduced to provide adequate spacing and ventilation, which not only was good for the individuals, but the community health at large. I was fortunate enough to receive a tour of the facility, which is operated by Mercy House, and uh, I know that housing is the key to end homelessness. Thank you. More to follow. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. My name is Kathy Carrick. And first of all, I have to say, as a 47-year resident here, I am very saddened to hear the defamatory comments made tonight. And that's just way over the line. Anyway, um, <clears throat> six weeks ago today signaled a fresh start for Huntington Beach. The last two years have seen some policies created that have sent us down a path we did not want. HB has always been a quiet, laid-back, beachside community with residents that like to work hard and then come home to enjoy the fruits of their labor by playing on the sand, riding the waves, taking their children to parks, walking their dogs, and just generally relaxing in quiet, safe neighborhoods. Now we have a chance to steer back onto that pathway and away from even more high-density development, more homelessness, and more crime. Our new council understands the true wishes of Huntington Beach residents, and best of all, they are willing to roll up their sleeves and act on our behalf. As is evidenced by the actions already taken and items already agendized, they are quickly jumping in with both feet to move boldly forward in reaching toward the goals they set for themselves. There has been some chatter about them moving too quickly. If any of you are asking yourselves, are we moving too aggressively? The answer is, heck no. This council needs to be aggressive to try to undo some poor policy decisions of the past. Can all of the damage that has been done be corrected? I don't know, probably not, but that should not stop us from trying. And with this council, we have the best chance that we have had in a very long time. During this Christmas season, a time of hope and expectation, the residents of Huntington Beach have new hope because of what our new council members have done. They have fought a tough battle against incredibly high odds. They have made sacrifices and will continue to do so. They have told us that they have done this because they want to serve the city they love. We salute you 
and thank you for that. Thank you for your dedication and vision. Thank you for your perseverance and willingness to lead. Thank you for representing our wishes. Thank you most of all for bringing us hope that we might one day see a return to the HB that we all love. Thank you and Merry Christmas. Good evening, my name is Lisa Swanson and I've owned my home in Southeast Huntington Beach for 13 years. My comments tonight are directed at agenda item 30 concerning the Orange County Power Authority, OCPA. I am very opposed to the city withdrawing from the OCPA and eliminating our freedom to choose our electricity provider and rate plan. I'm also opposed to immediately switching the city's facilities to the basic choice option. It is not irresponsible to the taxpayer to pay slightly more to accelerate the transition to renewable energy. We are surf city and derive economic benefit and quality of life through protection of our beaches, ocean, and the air we breathe. Thank you for the opportunity to briefly offer my opinions, and I look forward to additional discussion on the topic of OCPA. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, City Council, and fellow residents. I've been a voter and a homeowner in Huntington Beach since 1985. I know that the City Council has received supplemental communications regarding Agenda Item 26. There was a letter that has now been available for the public, but I felt it was important to read portions of that letter so that people could understand what's going on. This letter has numerous examples of case law to provide support for the statements made and the conclusions drawn, and you can readily access the letter at the city website. Honorable members of the City Council, the ACLU of Southern California and the First Amendment Coalition strongly oppose agenda item number 26, which calls for a code ordinance for the purpose of limiting anonymous complaints about businesses to code enforcement. An ordinance barring anonymous complaints would raise serious constitutional concerns about the right to a person to petition and the right to anonymous speech, both of which are fully protected in our First Amendment of our Constitution. Moreover, the justifications for the ordinance sort of misconstrue what the Sixth Amendment is all about. The criminal planners, the, the council members' uh, report requests the city attorney draft a proposed ordinance to bar anonymous complaints to code enforcement on the ground that it is supported by the Sixth Amendment. However, what the Sixth Amendment says is that you can ha have the right to confront someone in a criminal trial. There's nothing criminal about thwarting an investigation. A matter of fact, the confirmation, confirmation, confrontation clause of the Sixth Amendment gives the accused the right again to hear when there's a criminal case. But it doesn't say anything about the fact that you can't make an anonymous complaint. Matter of fact, it's protected by the First Amendment. Law enforcement and other government agencies routinely uh, rely on anonymous complaints so that they can begin to gather evidence. If enough evidence warrants that there's a case to be brought, then of course everyone is brought forward and the evidence is presented. But if this opportunity to make something anonymous is not allowed, many violations will just go unreported because there are multiple consequences of 
making that kind of retaliatory remark. Hi, I'm Natalie Rokos, and I am continuing the letter. By contrast, barring citizens from making anonymous complaints to a government agency raises significant constitutional concerns. The right of the people to petition government is one of the freedoms protected by the Bill of Rights. Indeed, it is among the most precious of liberties safeguarded by the Bill of Rights. The right to petition traces its origin to Magna Carta, which confirmed the right of barons to petition kings. The right applies to all levels of government, including the right to file a complaint with the municipalities, code enforcement agencies. Therefore, private citizens have the fundamental right to present concerns to government agencies. The First Amendment also protects the right of anonymous speech. Courts have repeatedly invalidated provisions that burden the ability to express themselves anonymously. There are myriad reasons why the courts have held that the First Amendment protects anonymous speech. For example, the right to speak anonymously protects people who fear that they will be retaliated against for protesting about the actions of others. There are obviously reasons why business owners might be afraid of identifying themselves when complaining to a code enforcement agency that a neighboring business is illegally selling cannabis or complaining to city officials that a local bar is illegally operating after hours. Similarly, an employee may well refrain from filing a valid complaint that his employer is violating federal or state laws requiring accommodation of people with disabilities if they cannot do so anonymously for fear of losing their job. In sum, barring anonymous complaints will almost certainly chill many people from filing complaints, even when those complaints of illegal activity are well-founded. Thus, refusing to allow people to submit anonymous complaints to code enforcement when they believe a business may be violating the law substantially burdens the right to petition and anonymous speech. In comparable circumstance, the California Attorney General concluded that the interpreting of a law to forbid police agencies from investigating citizen complaints when the complaint is unsigned raised significant constitutional concerns. To the extent the council is concerned that some complaints are unfounded or politically motivated, the appropriate response is to instruct code officers to evaluate whether complaints have sufficient indicia of reliability to justify initiating an investigation, not to burden the constitutional rights of anyone to make an anonymous complaint. So in conclusion, for the foregoing reasons, we urge the council to pull the agenda item and not draft an ordinance that will raise significant constitutional concerns and may subject the city to legal action. Sincerely, Peter J. Iceberg, Chief Counsel, ACLU Foundation of Southern California. Thank you. Good evening, council. Uh, I'm Dave Sullivan. Uh, despite my... Despite my uh, Boston accent, I've been in Huntington Beach over uh, 55 years. Uh, and Mayor Strickland, I would encourage you to have the three minutes uh, speech all the time because that's the only way the public can address you. And I'll give you a tip that- Mayor, you have my word. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I, and I have a tip for you, because the first time I ran, uh, right off the bat, one of my big supporters came down to the uh, 
podium, and uh, he went beyond three minutes. And I said, I'm sorry your three minutes are up because it works both ways, otherwise you'd be, be here all night. So anyways, just a tip. Uh, I know that uh, your uh, three uh, mutually uh, elected uh, colleagues are committed to giving Huntington Beach residents the opportunity to uh, give your proper input, and therefore, as I said, I really would appreciate the uh, three minutes. Uh, the previous council, except for my dear friend Eric Peterson, cut down the time of public comments. Posey started it by reducing it to two minutes, and uh, then uh, Del Glaze reduced it to 90 seconds. N nobody can do, uh, give a rational comment in that time. Uh, I know that uh, you and your uh, newly elected colleagues encourage uh, input from our lawn-suffering residents under the previous group. <laughs> Madam Pro Tem Gracie Vandermark, you are my hero. <laughs> I have never... He's going to cut me off at three minutes, so... <laughs> uh, I have never seen someone so prepared and motivated to serve the citizens of this community. Also, I have never seen a, an outstanding candidate treated so terribly as you were by people on the previous uh, council and people at the... Uh, Ocean View School District, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, we should be celebrating the election of the first Hispanic councilwoman in Huntington Beach history. And also, and also you are a woman. Wow. The voters that put you four people on this council are enlightened. My time's up? Okay. Good afternoon, Mayor, City Council, Mr. Gates. First and foremost, I'd like to welcome the new members uh, to our City Council. I cannot believe what you all have accomplished in our city, and you should all feel very proud of what you accomplished. That was a very big deal. Mr. Gates, congratulations to you as well. Uh, you conti your continued support for small business within the community is greatly appreciated within the community. In regards to item 26, to code enforcement and anonymous reports, I would like to provide you with firsthand knowledge of how this harassment works. We have dealt with this harassment of our historic home on Main Street for the past seven years. Since the proposed mural, several years, since the proposed mural at 602 Main Street, the, the mural, the Frontier Building. All documentation has been saved and can be provided to help with any type of criminal investigation that may take place. These individuals and their circle have sued us, filed a criminal case against my wife to go after her teaching credential, 
and other tactics, all for exposing the mural scam. What has happened to the corner market and Capone's is very concerning, and code enforcement cannot be used to weaponize and silence the community members. And this is firsthand experience. When you have an individual that lives in the 92649 area code and is reporting on a home in the 92648 area code, there is an issue and a question should be uh, raised and stop wasting city resources. This item is here because of how a select few misused the department and and been running and been running from my and it's been run from my experience. There are there are value points on both sides, but the root cause is individuals abusing this process. I hope you all come up with a solution that can benefit the community. In regards to item twenty seven, I, I don't agree with. Item 30, I believe we should get out of the Orange County Power Authority. It was presented to the public. It, it, it should have been presented to the public better. Uh, it, it shouldn't have been everybody to opt in. And when you have seniors and, and people that are going to get, gonna get uh, bills and not understand why their rates have increased. So that's basically all I have to say. And I want to thank you all for your time and wish you happy holidays. Hi, um, congratulations to all of you. I'm very happy to see you up here. My name is Courtney Gillette. I am a um, lifelong resident of Huntington Beach. I'm also the Special Olympics liaison for the Huntington Beach Union High School District. Um, I'm also the liaison for Ocean View High School, which is one of eight schools this fall that got named to be a Special Olympics National Banner School. Unified Sports is a Special Olympics-supported program that provides opportunities for students with and without intellectual disabilities to practice and compete on sports teams together. Within the Huntington Beach Union High School District, the schools have comp been competing against each other in basketball, volleyball, soccer, flag football, and track and field. The schools also participate in Unified Cheer and Unified Band and a baseball clinic. Money is needed to provide uniforms, pay for transportation costs, coaching stipends, lunches on tournament days, and other costs associated with running a quality unified sports athletic program. To implement this program throughout the district, Special Olympics initially awarded Huntington Beach Union High School District a grant. We have now become a self-sustaining program. This means that Special Olympics is able to use their funds to help other schools develop programs and enjoy life-changing opportunities that our students have experienced. Not only do our students have the opportunity to participate in a sports team, their parents have the opportunity to actually watch their child perform and compete in a sport. Um, and sometimes it's the first time that they've ever seen their child play on a team. As a parent of typical children, I sometimes take that for granted. I, my son's at soccer practice tonight, and it's just normal to go drop him off. But some parents who have children with intellectual disabilities never find that possible, and they get to do that with, that, with this program. So why am I here? I'm here to invite um, all of the council members and the community who would like to join us in our golf tournament on February 22nd, or 27th, sorry, 2023 at the Huntington Club. We're asking that you bring a team of four golfers. We're also looking for donors to sponsor holes and raffle items. 
Thank you for your time, and thank you in advance to those who will support our local high school students in the Special Olympics. Mr. Mayor, members of the council, good evening. My name is Mark Dixon, and for over 50 years I have paid property and sales taxes to support the programs in my city, and I've been especially pleased with the business growth and improvements those tax dollars have helped to pay for during the last seven years in particular. To place my comments in context, I'll compare our city to Los Angeles, which has 18 times the square miles, 15 times the population, and 25 times the number of businesses as Huntington Beach. Yet our city attorney's compensation is currently 10% greater than that of the city attorney of Los Angeles. And now you're considering increasing it even more to make it more competitive according to the agenda. By the way, it is already greater than the compensation of the office of the Vice President of the United States. So if you cast a yes vote for that increase, you're saying that the Huntington Beach City Attorney has a bigger, more demanding job than the one of a city of 502 square miles to our 28. 244,000 businesses compared to our 10,000. And 3,849 residents to our 202,500. Please. If anything, bring the city attorney's compensation into line with the size of our city and the demands of the position he holds. Now concerning item 26, Mr. Mayor, at the start of this meeting you honored the First Amendment and its guarantee of freedom of speech by stating that citizens wishing to speak tonight and complain are not required to identify themselves. So what justification is there for requiring those who wish to complain to the city to identify themselves. Thank you, and I hope you cast a uh, conscience-driven vote. Hello, congratulations, city council members, for the new ones. Great. Please remember the adage, he went to, he went to politics to do good. He ended up doing well. Please do not do that. This is, you're helping the city grow. And one of the ways to say, help the city, please do not rush into any of the finance, I mean, approving any of the financial budgets or anything else until you look at them really closely. For example, the police department, $99 million a year. That is nuts. That is completely, completely nuts. Afghanistan, their military, their whole military is less than that. It's 99.50, but we have, this is crazy. And they kept the whole U.S. at bay. Okay, please pay attention. $99 million is outrageous per year for the police department, and all the other budgets are crazy. And then our water bills keep on going up and up and up, and trash bills. And so if anything in regards to compensations or anything else, please hold off on it. Why do you think that they automatically send it in closed session and they, they want increases in, ra in raises and everything else in less than, I mean, they have the, the police association shows up to your closed session. So that way you just twist your arms also. 
Please, please, please slow it down and look at the budgets because we can do a lot more things that are a lot helpful. I mean, they got a raise of $9 million just three years, just two years ago. $9 million, every single year it keeps on going up. And then we get a notice that says that we have to pay more for our, our utilities. Come on. Please, be, please, please, please pay attention to it. And especially, I mean, the pay, the, the payouts are crazy. I mean, the city, the city manager gets over 400000 The city, so does 400000 a year. A year? Same thing with the police department, the chief of police. All, I mean, four hundred. and then after 25 years, then they get it for the rest of their lives, and we have to pay for it? I mean, this is getting nuts. You guys have to stop this. I mean, they have 20000 The police department now has $20,000 per year that they get for, 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 for drone batteries. For batteries for drones. Please pay attention to this. And, and you got to put a stop to it. At least hold off. Do not get your arms twisted behind your backs and say, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it, because you don't have to do it immediately. Pay attention to it and see how much money we can save and we can help the people of, of, of Huntington Beach. Every single year, every single city, every county has to break even. Okay, and if there's more money than they they collected, they're supposed to return it. But instead, they make these new laws and all this, where they they save it for a rainy day and save it over here. They save it over here, and it's crazy. Our money is being pilfered away. The award ceremonies that you guys have here, they don't come over here for families and taking picture ops. It's because they get bonuses. They get up to ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. Thank you. I'd like to call a late, a late sign-up, Mr. Paul Arms. Are you here? Good evening, Council and Mayor. Um, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure, actually, to be able to practice democracy, and uh, it's good to be here. So congratulations on the, on the, um, on the election. Um, the reason I'm here is to talk about uh, the agenda item number 30. I am a super, super big supporter of renewable energy. So whatever you do, I hope you continue to support renewable. And, and I don't want to sound like a jerk, but uh, we put 22,000 miles on our Tesla. In the last 18 months, we paid $23. $23 because we get free energy um, at, at my wife's work. But... but, 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 but um, Really what I wanted to point out here is something. One of my clients um, makes solar panels. They have a DOD contract for the Department of F Defense. Um, they put solar panels up in space. So, what I'm, so they put solar panels on Mars with the Mars Ingenuity, the Mars Rover. They put them on our NASA satellites. Um, they put them on JPL. You have to have a security clearance to see it, but I bet as city council members you can go see it. It's pretty awesome. And so what I'm trying to say is, is um, it's pretty simple. If, if solar renewable energy is, is good enough for the Department of Defense, if it's good enough for NASA, if it's good enough for JPL, it has to be good enough for Huntington Beach. So, and, and um, I mean, it, it really is amazing. As a country, we're putting helicopters on Mars being powered by solar energy. It's just beautiful. Um, the, 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 other, the other couple things that I, I'd just like to, to point out when Governor Schwarzenegger was governor, the One Million Homes Initiative was a phenomenal success, huge success. This week, our current governor tried to kill it because, because the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the union, does not get paid to put solar panels on roofs. 
So the politics of this stuff is, is getting silly. Rick DeSantis, governor of, of um, Florida. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He's a big supporter. He vetoed the unions trying to stop putting solar on roofs. It's, it, renewable energy is a technology that works. I happen to love it. I, I love the, I, it's not just because of the, of the technology, but the sun is free. The sun never raises its rates. It doesn't have a union. It doesn't answer to Wall Street. It doesn't answer to politicians. And, you know, it, it, it might wake you up in the morning, um, but it's not woke. It will never ask you what your pronouns are, right? So, so I, I really hope that whatever you do moving forward is you look at what the economic opportunities can be in Huntington Beach. I wish I had more time. I, I could share them with you. But it's a huge moneymaker across the state for cities and counties that actually charge people like me to um, um, power up their, their EVs. So th thank you again. You guys have a Merry Christmas and a Super New Year. Mayor, I have five people on the phone with their hands raised, so I'll call them now. Okay, thank you. 1457. Go ahead, please. Hello, Council. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. My name is Lisa Marquise. Uh, I want to first thank Council Members Dan Kalmick, Natalie Moser, and Rhonda Bolton, and former Mayor Kim Carr, Council Member Barbara Douglas, for uplifting Huntington Beach as the welcoming coastal community that we are for their positive leadership, often amidst difficult media reports about hate groups in Huntington Beach. Indeed, their work earned Huntington Beach the title of best-run city, ranking number one in the nation, as reported by the OC Register, according to Wallet Hub. They have earned the respect of this community, and council members Kalmick and Moser deserved to be mayor and mayor pro tem, not disrespected with tradition cast aside in order for incoming members to appoint themselves. I encourage the incoming members to not mistake the spirit and wishes of this community, nor underestimate the gratitude most citizens of Huntington Beach have for the positive direction of our recent leadership. Huntington Beach does not need regressive action and power grabs that serve the personal interests of incoming members, um, such as Mayor Strickland, <coughs> stacking liaison appointments, and removing Council Member Moser, who has served this community so well. Or Mr. Strickland trying to ban anonymous citizen tips, now being called out by civil rights groups and exposing the city to costly lawsuits. Or Mr. Strickland proposing to increase campaign contributions for city council run to sky's the limit that will serve him personally and not our community. Or Mr. Strickland having Ms. Vandermark serve as mobile home advisory board liaison with a clear conflict of interest. Or on the homelessness task force where she offers no direction to assist people in need. Or having her oversee the Huntington Beach Human Relations Task Force, a person whose actions have been denounced by the Anti-Defamation League as per the Orange County Register, fact, part in disrupting another city's racial justice committee meeting where disruptors chanted slogans against black and Jewish people. And these actions taken by you, Mr. Strickland, during Hanukkah. 
Lastly, I will say again that you underestimate the spirit of this community. I'm a little emotional. How safe and pleased the majority of residents who are not fairly represented in this chamber right now have felt with our positive direction in recent years, so much as to not expect a targeted campaign to return to negativity and exclusion. Continue down this road, and I, for one, am confident voters will make their voices heard again. Thank you. Jeannie Ferens. Jeannie Ferens, do you want to unmute? Yes, I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes, you can. Go ahead, please. Good evening, Mayor, City Council, concerned Huntington Beach residents. My name is Jean Ferens. I'm speaking tonight in opposition to agenda item 27, a request proposed by newly elected Mayor Strickland to amend the Huntington Beach Municipal Code to raise campaign contribution limits. This item directs the city attorney to return at the next city council meeting with an amendment to the city's Municipal Code 1, Chapter 2.07 to raise the contribution limit essentially from $620 to $4,900. This amounts to an eight-fold increase in contributions from individuals, business entities, committees, and PACs. Wow. I am nothing short of dumbfounded by the audacity of both the proposal and the city's newly elected mayor in proposing it. The new council's very first proposal, an attempt to raise contribution limits, offers evidence of the new members' true concerns and their stunning admission that the issues they ran on High-density housing, homelessness, the safety of Huntington Beach were apparently no more than sham promises to get into office. That, in fact, they are not interested in exposing and correcting the corruption they purported existed in the previous city council, but rather in lining their own pockets and, and aligning themselves with those entities like mobile home park owners from whom they accepted $20,000 during their campaign, who in fact have every intention of eliminating homes and tearing down affordable housing such as mobile home parks precisely, precisely to replace them with high density construction and in the process create more homelessness. That their only intention is to serve the affluent. And as the overwhelming liaison committee appointments indicate, uh, the newly elected members also have begun their own quest for power something they condemned the previous council for. And finally, that sadly, those who believe their promises and voted for them have been duped and deceived and made fools of. I urge the mayor and city council to withdraw this proposal. I deeply urge the citizens of Huntington Beach to pay close attention to the pursuits and priorities of this new council, to hold them accountable to their campaign promises. And if they fail to serve the best interests of Huntington Beach, if they fail to serve you, to call them out just as loudly and passionately as you did their predecessors. Thank you. Thank you. Scott Miller. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, please. Okay. Mayor and City Council, my name is Scott Miller. I'm an, I am a... Uh, a resident of this of this city for in excess of 50 years. I'm an, I've been an attorney for 47 years. 
I have been in large firms, medium firms, and small firms. And currently, I'm a senior partner in a seven-man firm. I want to speak about Mr. Gates and his request for a raise. Mr. Gates sought this job. He was recently elected. Clearly, the salary was acceptable when he ran. I know that there was someone else who would have been glad to accept that salary. You ran on being real Republicans, all of you. Well, I'm 72, and I'll tell you what real Republicans were. They were fiscally conservative. Your job is to protect the taxpayer funds. It is not to reward Mr. Gates with the new outrageous salary. I had previously read that Mr. Gates' total package was worth over $400,000. $400,000. Have you costed out what his salary request is? It's over half a million dollars. And it will only go higher. You will be fiscally conservative with the fire department. You will be fiscally conservative with the police department. You will be fiscally conservative with the lifeguards. But you will make him the second highest paid, second highest elected city attorney in the state. I want to repeat that. He will become the second highest elected city attorney in the state of California. He will make more than the city attorney of Los Angeles. Have you done a comparison of other cities? Have you costed out what this will cost? He will become the second highest paid employee in the city of Huntington Beach. He supervises 11 attorneys. He supervises 11 people. 11 people. The police chief supervises far more. The fire department supervises far more. And you know, in the private industry, before a raise is given. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Cooper. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Cooper. Um, I have to echo the Mobile Home Residence Coalition members' uh, concerns. It's an obvious conflict of interest for anyone that received contributions from MHET to be a late liaison to the Mobile Home Advisory Board. That's um, pretty obvious. Uh, the goal of the MHAB is to ensure the quality of life in mobile home parks. That's what it says on the website. You really can't do that when you take money from one side and pretty much ignore the other. So please appoint someone else that doesn't have an obvious conflict of interest. Uh, and then regarding 26, totally agree with the ACLU. I totally disagree with getting rid of anonymous code complaints. Um, seems to just kind of like benefit a few particular cases that people are talking about tonight. Uh, but generally, that it's just it's not a good idea to get rid of that. Um, it, it, someone even said that you should be able to efface your accuser, which is just not a good principle. Um, 
No, that shouldn't be the case. Uh, the campaign contributions limits raised. The first speaker said it better than anyone ever could. So just basically ditto her. I strongly oppose raising campaign contribution limits. Uh, think about it soberly, everyone, please. Do you want more money in politics? Do you want more campaign contributions? Who's that going to benefit? Um, and uh, last, um, everyone Google the Monarch Nature Trail, Huntington Beach. It's a really cool program. Uh, first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m., they do uh, like a, uh, planting trees, planting plants. So come out and uh, we could talk about some of these things too. I'm, I'd love to talk about this stuff with other residents and get to know each other. Um, that's it. Thanks. Thank you. Keith Diggs, go ahead, please. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, my name is Keith Diggs. Um, I am not the city attorney, and if my boss ever pays me $400,000, she done messed up. Um, but I'm, I'm here to speak about something different. Um, I'm an attorney with Yimby Law. I wrote a letter on item 33 in opposition to the uh, direction to tell the city's attorney to prepare an ordinance against the builder's remedy. Um, letter speaks for itself. I just want to say, like, we don't see eye to eye on housing, and that's cool. Don't do this. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. If you do this, you're going to make it easy for me or one of my lawyer friends to sue and win and set a precedent, further strengthening the HAA that the city clearly opposes. Um, so you want to file an action to challenge the RENA mandate? Fine. Uh, resolution expressing discontent with the builder's remedy. Go ahead, but don't do this. It's a waste of everybody's time. Please don't make me sue you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Uh, that concludes the public comments. We do have uh, two people still had their hands raised, but they came in way past the 15-minute cutoff. Great. Okay, so we'll move on. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, council Committee appointment announcements. Um, do any of the council members have appointments that they would like to announce? Uh, Councilman Pat Burns. Sure, I'll announce uh, six appointments that I have. For the Public Works Commission, Peter Rivas. Citizens Participation Advisory Board, Jeannie Paris. Community and Library Services Commission, Lolly McCarty. <laughs> Finance Commission, Billy Hamilton. Investment Advisory Board, Don Misterly. Doug Misterly, sorry. Planning Commission, Don Strzok. Councilman McKinn. All right. It's, it's like the 1927 Yankees. All right. <laughs> Public Works, Darren McDonald. Citizen Participation Advisory Board, Don Kennedy. Community and Library Services Commission, Season Baker. Finance Commission, Frank LaGrasso. Investment Advisory Board, Martha Morrow. And Planning Commission, Tracy Pillman. Councilwoman Vandermark. Yes, I have um, six appointments as well. For Investment Advisory, Mark Ellett. For Community and Library Services, Austin Edsel. Finance Commission, Kelly Gates. Planning Commission, Butch Twining. Citizens Participation Advisory Board, Michael Hoskinson. And Public Works, James Mikowski. So um, my, I have five appointments to announce today. Uh, my public works is Pano. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Fractured Aukus. But everybody knows Pano. Uh, Citizens Participation Board, Mike Massey. 
Community and Library Services, Michelle Schutz. Finance Commission, David Cicero. And Planning Commission, Rick Wood. Any other council appointments? Okay. All right. I'll move on to item nine. Uh, approval of Mayor Strickland's council liaison list. Do I have a motion and a second? <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. So covering boards and commissions is a, is a huge time commitment. So uh, I just want to say that the only way to do what's been suggested uh, is for folks to miss a lot of the meetings, and I don't think that would do the city um, a great service. So thanks. Councilman uh, Kalmick. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I echo uh, Councilmember Bolton's comments, uh, but I would like to ask, um, since uh, we're really not participating in any of our boards and commissions anymore. If we add back the reports from the boards and commissions so that the community can hear what goes on on those boards and commissions, including some of the regional boards like Sand District and things like that. We'll hear back, uh, Councilman, uh, but there's going to be reported back in our minutes and they're going to be written out. Um, so instead of us regurgitating every uh, item that was on that public meeting already, because sure. those meetings are public as you know, uh, what I've requested to move the items along in our agenda is those council members, when they report back, they do it in writing and it will be in our minutes. All right. I, I appreciate that, but I'll, I'll, be making, I'll be making a substitute motion to okay. include a, a limited time response. Thank you. Do I have a motion to second? Do I have a motion um, to I second? I actually like to speak as well. Oh. Sorry, I, I don't, my um, iPad isn't working properly. Okay. I have to speak. Go I apologize. Ahead, Go ahead. Sure. Um, really, I'll echo um, the other council members that already spoke. Um, ultimately, it's you know it's a huge um, it's gr it's a great opportunity to be able to serve the community through these these means through these boards and commissions. Um, it's been I've made some of the best connections um, and relationships during that time, and really appreciate all of the public servants who serve on those boards. Um, I do agree with Council Member Bolton that it really should be spread out. Um, you are losing a significant amount of institutional knowledge um, by not doing that. And more than anything, I'm just really disappointed um, in your decision. Thank you. Okay. Um, do I have a motion and a second on that? I'll go ahead and make a motion. Um, to, uh, I have two tweaks on the list. One is that the vector control uh, former council member Mike Posey is remaining in that seat. Um, we're going to have to take some sort of action if we'd like to remove him. That's a separate issue that's not agendized, I don't think. Um, and then the power authority term is only for two years, not for four. So there's just a small correction on that. That was amended in the JPA. I think it's just a typographical error. So my motion um, amending those two pieces um, would be to add, uh, is a separate motion, it would be to add back in during the public comment, uh, or excuse me, during the agenda, a very small, maybe time-limited comment section for uh, board committees that, that these members serve on. Thank you. I'd make a second for that motion. And I did have one more comment as well. Okay, Actually, more of a question. Um, for the personnel commission, it indicates there that it's a two-year term. Um, so I just wasn't sure that was my first year that I just served for personnel. Um, if it's a two-year term, if it's still at the um, uh, ability of the mayor, I assume that it is, um, but wanted to confirm that to change that out. I would like to ask the city attorney that question. Yes, it is. You're, you're able to to by vote to switch them out. Okay. 
made a substitute motion. I, I, just, I just made a first motion to um, to add that back into the agenda, not not to approve the list, but to add the section back into the future agendas to have a comment on that. And I believe Council Member to, to look at those two items. No, no, to, that's those were separate tweaks. The motion was to add in a public comment, or not a public comment, but a council member comment section of limited time back into the agenda to report back on boards and commissions. Well, uh, um, what I, Councilman, again, I'm trying to move along these meetings. I agree. What I'm going to, um, Mayor, what I'm going to do, what I'm, what I'm likely to do, uh, and again, I'll, I'll reach out to all the members of the council um, because, again, uh, my goal is to speed up these meetings. I'm with you. What I would do is um, probably look at the model that they have in the House of Representatives where we can come here before and give a three-minute speech, just like every member of the community can give a three-minute speech um, and do that either before or after. But I was going to incorporate uh, comments from the council offline uh, to see where we put those public, uh, those city council comments and speeches. Mayor, I'd like yes. to make a motion to just pass the... Uh, Resolution as written, recommended on the agenda. Okay. So that's a substitute motion. Yes, substitute motion. I'll second it. The it's been moved and moved by uh, Councilman Burns, seconded by uh, Councilman McKinn. Uh, Madam Clerk, call the roll. That was the substitute. Now substitute. The substitute to go with the recommended action. Right. Okay. And it's been moved by Burns, seconded by McKeon. Yeah. Sorry. Madam Clark, call the roll. Uh, I don't see all the votes yet. Councilmember McKeon. There's no option on my iPad to. Okay. Council Member Mosier? That's no. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Take off her. McKeon, do you see anything on your screen, Council Member no, McKeon? No, I'm refreshing. It's frozen, but I'm a yes. Okay. okay. I think it's probably easier to just go voice and get through it really quick. Well, he'll check all the iPads and refresh them. Can I? Uh, uh, Madam Clerk? Madam Clerk, a roll call vote with um, Councilwoman Mosier being remote is actually more appropriate. A roll call vote, All so right. just go through the list. And, and it goes by quicker anyway. All right, okay. All right. Thank you. I have all the votes up. You want to do roll call yeah. for yeah. this? Yeah, if right. we can. Thanks, Madam Clerk. All right. Councilmember McCalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Yes. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Yes. Motion passes 4-3. Thank you, Madam Clerk. <laughs> Next on the agenda is AB 1234 reporting. Does any uh, member of the council have any reporting regarding AB 1234? Seeing none, we'll move on to the next. Uh, openness in negotiation disclosures. Does anyone have anything to disclose? Seeing none, moving on. City manager's report. Uh, Assistant City Manager Hopkins, please introduce your report. Thank you, Mayor. Um, just um, tonight, um, our City Manager, Al Zelinka, was, was unable to attend the meeting tonight he, um, due to illness, so I'll provide his report on, on, on his behalf. Um, the executive team had the pleasure to welcome 16 new members of um, 
employees to the city of Huntington Beach um, in the past week. Those employees will be providing service to the city in the um, Community and Library Services Department, Finance Department, Police Department, Public Works Department, and the City Manager's Office. And that report is, on, is attached to the agenda item. And so we welcome these um, new employees to the City of Huntington Beach and our, and our City of Huntington Beach H, um, 1HB team. Um, I have a, um, two other announcements tonight. Um, I have some sad news. Uh, two of our um, executive team members um, are, are leaving and have an opportunity um, in other places. And I'd like to um, just thank them tonight. Um, Brittany Mello, our um, Administrative Services Director, um, will be leaving to Northern California. Um, she has served the department as the department head um, of Information Services and Human Resources Department. And just a few years ago, um, these um, two departments were put together um, as a cost-saving things due to the pandemic. During her service, um, she um, provided um, vast improvements to both of those sections and um, provided a lot of service for many of the uh, departments within the city. And so um, she greatly added to our team and she's gonna be missed. Um, I would also, um, our chief financial officer, Del Bolasan, has also accepted an opportunity in another city. Um, he has worked in the city of uh, Huntington Beach for 16 years um, and, um, and actually helped pilot the city through the financial uncertainties the last few years and um, helping um, develop the finance department, increasing their exceptionality in our city. And so on behalf of um, the city manager, um, our executive team and our city staff, um, we wish them the best on their um, future endeavors and um, thank them for all their dedicated service they did. For and if I might add as mayor, please stand up and everybody in the crowd, please give these people a big round of applause for all their hard work that they've done. Thank you for all your hard work. And good luck in your new endeavors. Anything else? No. Okay, now we're moving on to item 10, the consent calendar, uh, items 11 through 24. Uh, does anyone want to pull, on, pull off any item on the consent calendar? Councilwoman. Item 11 will be pulled. Councilman, Councilwoman Bolton. Any, any other items? Uh, Councilman Burns. I'd like to pull uh, 13, 19, 20, 22, and 25. Okay, 13, 19, 20? 20, 20, 22, and 25. 25. 22, no, I have 25. And 25. 20. 25 is not a consent. Oh. Well, I okay. lost. All right. Madam Clerk, did you get those? Do you want me to read them back to you? Yes, Councilmember Bolton pulled number 11, Councilmember Burns number 13, 19, 20, and 22. Right. Is there any other items that the council members would like to pull? Seeing none, um, I'd like to move the consent calendar, uh, obviously without those items uh, on there. I'll second. It's been moved by the Mayor Strickland, seconded by Mr. Kalmick, Councilman Kalmick. Uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed? Aye. Okay, the ayes have it. 
All right, so that... The consent calendar, other than 11, 13, 19, 20, and 22 have passed. Right, all right, thank you. So we'll go with number 11 next. Okay, we're going on to item number 11. So I just want to make a comment about Uh, 11. uh, Mr. Gates, did you want to address this item? Um, Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, actually, um, because I think a lot of people uh, don't understand really where this is coming from. And there's a staff report, I think, that a lot of people did not have the opportunity to read. It's a staff report actually prepared by my chief assistant city attorney, Mike Vigliotta. Um, And if I could just have a moment, I'll just read the staff report so the public understands what's going on. The city attorney, Michael Gates, was elected in 2014. When he took the position, he volunteered to receive compensation at a much lower rate than what his predecessor was making. The city attorney's last compensation increase was May of 2019, which by comparison to all other city employees is the longest period for any employee without an increase in compensation. According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, inflation has dramatically increased over these years by nearly 16%, which reduces income by the same amount in contrast. Moreover, the current compensation rate for the city attorney is not competitive, even with other governments in the area. The city attorney's current rate is $117.63 an hour, and it is recommended that this rate increase to $140 per hour to adjust for the dramatic increase in inflation since 2019 and to maintain compensation as competitive. The pay for the city attorney position is set and locked in place by resolution by the city council. Unlike nearly every other city employee in the city, the city attorney's pay does not automatically progress up a pay range or pay scale. It's locked. In fact, while other city employees naturally get increases with the passage of time, the city attorney's pay does not. It is locked in place until the council takes action again. The city attorney has been dedicated, has been a dedicated, faithful, and successful public servant. Thanks, Mike. Um, in, In addition to a string of legal wins for the city over the past eight years, Just this year alone, Mr. Gates won a large, high-profile case at trial, personally defending two of our police officers in a $20 million lawsuit. In addition, addition, the city prevailed in a suit this year against the state of California in which $5.2 million decision in favor of Huntington Beach was won, not including another $22.4 that is possible to come back to the city. Moreover, uh, over the last eight years, the city attorney has demonstrated exceptional leadership, great management, decision-making, exceptional legal skill, and judgment. He implemented an office-wide efficiencies and eliminated waste. Under his leadership and through the work of the city attorney's office over the past eight years, the city attorney has saved over $150 million in good, smart legal work. As it is now, the city attorney's office of Huntington Beach is as good as any private sector law firm of the same size and is now an example to many other cities. In the city's recent class and comp study, 
which was just, just came out a couple months ago, the city attorney's position was not studied by the city, and no comparable salaries were provided by the study. However, according to a random sampling of local law firms in Orange County, the city attorney's experience and expertise as an experienced manager and trial attorney would provide an income of at least $300 per hour. While the city attorney position is not in the private sector, the city's ability to continue with this high-level, high-quality legal representation is ensured by providing a respectable, even competitive, salary to the city attorney position. Comparable salaries for the city attorney include City of Santa Monica, $320,000 a year, or $154 an hour. City of Long Beach, which is smaller than the city of LA and has an elected city attorney, $312,000 a year, or $150 an hour. And then there's City of Anaheim at $283,000 and City of Newport Beach at $275,000. And I would just like to emphasize for the public you know, this is not an easy job. It's very, very stressful. It's very, very trying. And I, unlike probably all the other city attorneys up and down the state of California, I don't operate simply as a figurehead where I collect a paycheck. I roll up my sleeves and I do the work myself. In addition to the work that... In addition to the work that's... Uh, mentioned in the staff report, and I appreciate the support from the community. I've also successfully argued before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals this year. The Court of Appeals, I've handled dozens and dozens of other lawsuits, um, and we have achieved um, great results. So um, this is not an increase in compensation. This is a, an adjustment for inflation to set salary back to 2019 levels. So um, there's no nothing beyond that built in. So with that, I'll turn it over to the Thank mayor. you, Councilwoman Bowling. Well, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, we do need to do a compensation study. We would not consider anybody's change in pay without a compensation study. Otherwise, the figures that we are um, approving potentially look like they're being pulled out of thin air. So... Um, I can't support it in the absence of a compensation study. Thank you. Go ahead. Councilman Cowan. Thank, thank you, Mayor. Um, I have a couple of just technical questions. Um, because normally when we provide uh, compensation for folks, we see the fully um, encumbered cost. Um, is that number the fully encumbered cost of uh, the salary. So I'm seeing a number that's an increase in sixty thousand nine twenty nine um, to take you to two ninety two. So um, I guess that's a question for for Dale. Like, is that the fully the fully encumbered cost? And then I, normally we see it over the couple of budget years because this has a six month look back, and then there's a three percent raise in six months from now, and then another six months sure. from there, or another year from there. Sorry. Yep. So um, the sixty thousand represents year one. Uh, in the financial impact, it just uh, refers to the first year budget. Um, it does escalate um, in year three after the uh, escalation of 3% and 3% up to uh, $93,303. And then the ongoing cost um, is about $94,000. So the ongoing cost is about 94000 So it's a roughly over three years, it's about $100,000 a year increase? Yes. Fully, fully encumbered? Fully encumbered. Fully so, encumbered. 
in context, does that now, would that would then make Mr. Gates the highest paid employee in the city in three years or thereabouts? I've looked at that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I mean, I just, I don't have enough information and I'd like to, the residents as well. I mean, I'd like to see what Redondo Beach's other elected city attorneys, I mean, realistically, I mean, the six month look back is wild. Um, but, and I don't disagree that you likely need a raise. You haven't had a raise in a while, but I'd like to see better context here, especially other cities that have elected city attorneys. Um, you know, again, Newport Beach is, is an example here. Anaheim, both of the, uh, Anaheim has an enormous number. I mean, they have a lot of attorneys there as well. Um, you, you know, the fire chief, the police chief, both manage an enormous, you know, quite a few people. So uh, again, I would, I'd like to at least continue this item and get some more information, including the normal contracting or normal um, job costing that we see in, in all pay raises that we give in the city. Thank you. Well, um, if, I, if I might add, um, I, I have done research. I've, I've looked at 20, 25 different city attorneys around Southern California and some in the Central Valley. Um, seen as uh, Mr. Gates is one of the only ones that was pushed out over the last, since 19, 2019, and not had an increase where everybody else has. All we're doing is taking Mr. Gates, who's been an incredibly successful city attorney for this city, and putting him back to where he would have been had a council had a council not ignored him since 2019. So with that, I do move the item uh, as as configured um, uh, to give Mr. Gates the what I would call a cost of living adjustment since 2019. I'll second. Do roll call vote? Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Yes. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Yes. Mo yes. Motion passes 4 3. Motion passes 4 3. Moving on uh, to item number 13 that was pulled by Council Member Burns. No, 12 was already on the um, consent calendar of the past. So we're on item 13, members. Um, I don't know how we do this. Uh, does the city manager adopt this because it's not authored by a current council member? Um, are we on? Item 13. Okay. 12 was passed under the consent calendar. Yeah. Now we're on 13 that was pulled by Councilman Burns. 13, I just want to stay, uh, this wants to reaffirm the state of emergency, like for the COVID era. It's outdated. It should be gone. Yeah. <laughs> Councilman Kelmick. Um, yeah, so I just, I read there's ramifications of not passing this, right? All of our board meetings and commissions all immediately go back in person. Um, and then we, we uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Gates, um, but at the end of February, I believe the state of emergency for the state of California ends and then we go back to the new law that requires us to have, in, you know, still to understand what that looks like because I don't think the rulings have been, but I just wanted to make the audience aware. Yeah, I understand that. Okay. I read that too, but I'd like to move that we uh, say no to that one. I'd like to be able to speak as well. Yeah. Uh, Councilwoman Bolton, go ahead. Moser. I mean, Moser, sorry. sorry. It's okay. Um, as uh, Councilmember Kelmick mentioned, this is going to be moved in February, 
But I do think it's important to continue doing this for now to try to get through this, um, this difficult season as far as people's health. I can tell you that I wouldn't be able to be here with you tonight if this wasn't available to me. And, um, you know, likewise, earlier this evening when um, city manager Zelenka was able to join you, I don't believe that that would have been the case either. And please do let me know if that's incorrect. Um, that's my impression from what I know of the proclaimed state of emergency. So I would recommend that we um, continue to reaffirm and move the item with the substitute motion. Um, actually, I don't think that there was a second on the first one. Um, but uh, I would like to move that we actually reaffirm the proclaimed state of emergency for that matter through um, January until February makes that move. I believe I believe it was moved by Burns and seconded by uh, Councilwoman Vandermark. So Sorry, we I didn't so hear now this. so now we have a substitute motion. What's the substitute Correct. motion again, Councilwoman? To keep it the as is. The substitute motion will go ahead and reaffirm as it says right now um, on item thirteen. Okay, let's call the roll on the substitute motion. On the substitute motion, Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Councilmember Mosier. Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. No. Mayor Strickland. No. <laughs> Councilmember Bolton. Aye. Councilmember Burns. No. So substitute. now the, the substitute, substitute motion, motion fails. fails. Three, now four. we have a motion before the body uh, by uh, Burns, seconded by uh, Councilwoman Vandermark. Clerk, call the roll. All right. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Yes. Councilmember McCann? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Yes. Motion passes 4-3. So next on the item members, uh, we have item number 19 on our agenda. Yes, I brought that forward and uh, deals with uh, Jamboree uh, going forward with some plans and possibly getting funding for the healing center. And I would like to table that. I'll second that motion. The motion's been moved and seconded. Uh, discussion members? I have a substitute motion, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, Councilwoman, um, go ahead. For, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I can't really tell exactly what's going on there. Um, <clears throat> with regards to um, Councilmember Burns' um, motion that this be tabled, unfortunately, and maybe we can ask staff, um, I think this is a time-sensitive um, motion. Um, in that I believe that there are um, these particular support applications um, have to do with something at the end of December and also early January. So I don't believe that they can be tabled. Um, can I get somebody from staff to concur with that or answer that question? Yes. Um, yes, uh, Mayor and City Council. Um, the two items that um, the uh, is requesting a letter of support for is for the behavioral health continu continuum infrastructure program. Um, the application is due, I believe, January 17th. Um, and then the um, continuum of care expansion program um, that that might have a rolling um, application date, but it is opened, um, I believe, right now until until funding is unavailable. Council, when's our next meeting? The 17th of January, okay. or, or the 3rd of January, if held, and the if we have a quorum, and the 17th of January, otherwise. 
So we do have time. So it would have to be well, submitted before the end of the day on January 17th. May I speak? Uh, Councilman. Yes. Burns. In that case, I don't think it should have, it should have been resolved long before we got here. Uh, some ex more experienced people that were on the board, um, council well before this, it should have maybe been before that. But at this point, it kind of goes against what uh, kind of we campaigned on. And uh, at this point, I still wish to table it. May I speak? Yeah, go ahead, Councilwoman. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so I think, again, um, Councilmember Burns mentioned that this is something that um, I would assume the four of you, um, the council members who are new to the council, campaigned on. And what I believe was actually campaigned on was a direct impact to improving homelessness. Um, it's my belief that this effort and this um, request for approval or support for Jamboree Housing, with which we went into an ex exclusive negotiating agreement back in June or July, um, really what this does is continue to support your efforts to impact homelessness. Specifically, this is just an ask of support. Um, it doesn't have the city really providing any other support other than that ask. The city's financial contribution to this particular project is limited to the current contribution of our emergency navigation center that exists today. And the additional financial resources needed would only come from regional and state funding resources. And all that this is doing is asking for those things. Um, I don't think that it would be um, within our residents' fiduciary um, health or responsibility to make this determination to table this at this time. Very important that we're able to pass as we continue on. Um, at some point in the future, um, should we be able to get this fund or these funds, the city council could still determine they did not want to proceed with the project um, or with the use of the funds. But at this point, it's just to move things along. Again, the council would still have the opportunity to be able to make a change at a later date from what I heard in our council member briefings um, on this project, you know, I heard um, many different current and new council members' concerns about the desire to be able to enforce um, our anti-camping laws. We're able to do that because of our shelter. Um, the also concern for public safety and quality of life. Um, and also, the, finally, the concern that we'd be able to not just band-aid um, the problem of homelessness. But I think that this particular project is seeking to do is specifically that, not band-aid the problem, but actually look at the whole person, look at things like substance abuse disorder, look at um, mental health challenges, things that I know um, Member Pro Tem Vandermark brought up in our briefing um, that she had specific concern about. And I would hope we'd be able to move this forward again with the ability for the council to at a later date decide to not move forward with the project. There is no, um, there's no impact to the council by proceeding with this. The only impact would be if we don't proceed, we will potentially lose money. And, you know, I've had other conversations with council members about different items that are their new council members um, who have said they don't want to leave money on the table. And I completely agree. We should not leave outside money on the table when it's our most important issue to all the voters that I've spoken to is homelessness. And so it's my, um, my motion that we, or I think substitute motion, that we proceed with this item of support, um, that we not table it and we do the right thing for the people of Huntington Beach um, and move this along. Don't leave money on the table. I'll second that motion. Mr. Kalmick, second that motion. Uh, Mr. McKeon. 
Yeah, just a comment. This is a really critical issue for the residents and taxpayers. This is for the navigation center property. And if this goes forward, I'm not saying it's a, we should or should not. It's very complicated. If this goes forward, then we will not have a navigation center. And we cannot enforce our anti-camping laws. So then we're scrambling to find a new location for a yeah. navigation center. So this is a critical issue. I, I echo Mr. Burns' uh, concerns. We're just asking for more time. It's very complicated. Uh, so, you know, if this it was really important, the previous council should have voted on this. And all we're asking is to table it to dig in further. And so, I'm just, so, Madam, so, Madam Clerk, we have a substitute motion uh, that's been uh, uh, authored by uh, Ms. Mosier, seconded by Calmic. Let's put that vote forward first, the substitute right. motion. I'd like oh, to no, respond go ahead. to uh, Ms. Calmic, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Councilman Calmic, go ahead. Um, I, I'll go up first and then Councilmember Mosher, if she had a follow-up. Um, this is a non-binding letter. It's a letter of support. We give letters of support to everything. Um, I don't understand where we go to this gets rid of the, the navigation center. If we don't, the navigation center is bought, purchased and built with specialized funding that has to be turned into permanent housing at some point. So the navigation center has a finite lifespan on it. We lose it, we, yeah, so it goes away. So this is the project for the healing center, which I, I believe everyone was briefed on, um, solves quite a few of our issues, right? It, it gets to the root causes of homelessness. It eliminates, I think, some of the fears of folks coming in from all over the place to use our resources. But this, at this point in time, this letter is, is a non-binding letter that says, hey, we're going to support Jamboree, and then they can come back if they get the money, and we say, no, we don't want it. We don't want to move forward with the project. So it doesn't cost us anything to potentially get a bunch of free money um, to potentially you know, be able to resolve some homeless issues. So um, we have off-ramps, multiple off-ramps on this project going forward. So this is effectively a a support letter and as I said we you know over the years we signed plenty of support letters thank you so councilwoman Moser and then McKeon again go ahead councilwoman Moser you had something to say sure yes I do um I, I it's unfortunate that councilmember McKeon indicated um falsely that this would mean by support of this project that if this was built this healing center which is a permanent shelter and um permanent supportive housing and affordable housing that that would mean we would not be able to enforce our anti-camping and, uh, and those laws. That is clearly, clearly false. I'd be happy to have staff um, mention that. It's my understanding um, that all, all plans with regards to the healing center, and I am somebody that has been involved with this, um, with homelessness in general for a long time. So it's been very important for me to understand all of this, um, that this plan um, does not negate the ability to enforce our laws. In fact, it's quite the opposite. And that any um, transitional period where there was something being built during that time, it would require that we would have um, an alternative. And there are many different alternatives. And that's part of this plan um, is to determine what are the different versions, different solutions. Um, and I'm not going to get into those right now, but we certainly would never not have a shelter that would not would disqualify us from being able to enforce our anti-camping laws. So. Um, it, that's just really not something that's prudent for um, Councilman McKeon to say because it's just not true. Councilman McKeon. So I was in this healing center meeting with Councilmember Mosier and Gracie, and this, pro this Jamboree Housing Corporation property is on the Navigation Center site. And so I asked, do we have a, another site for the Navigation Center to replace this one? And the answer was no. So I asked, how long do we have? How much runway do we have to find another site? They said three years. So I don't think what I said was incorrect. 
And I'm not saying that Jamboree Housing Corporation is, is the wrong group. I just don't know. And from what I saw in that meeting, I'd like to ask further questions. Um, they didn't know how much their budget was, what their perform was on construction, things I think you should know right away off, off the hip. I'm in real estate. I know those questions right away, how much it costs per square foot. So all I'm asking. I'd like to speak again after this one. I'm, just, ask, I'm just asking to table it so we can dig in it further and do a, a fair analysis to the voters that put us in office. That's all I'm asking and would just like to know what the negative impact is if we did this. It sounds like it's just money, but I'm sure we can go back to them. Councilwoman Vandermark. So I was at that hailing center meeting as well, and we walked out with a lot of questions, and we're still waiting for answers. So in my opinion, it would be irresponsible for us to move forward when we don't have those answers. One more thing. Go ahead. Oh, at, we have a long one, agenda, so let's move. Uh, this last is the one. most okay. important thing to your voters. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So, Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark mentioned that it would be irresponsible for us to vote on this. As Councilmember Kalmick mentioned, there's nothing that binds us to anything by supporting Jamboree's efforts in trying to get money from the state government. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, again, at that meeting, of course, we have more questions and you are brand new to this, to the new council members. And I, I totally understand after being with it a long time, it's, the homeless system is, is very complicated to begin with. Um, however, with regards to the question, council member McKeon, with regards to, do you have another site for the navigation center? Being in that meeting, the way that you asked that question indicated to me that, and also the prior question about selling the site, that you didn't want to do anything on that site and wanted to have a shelter elsewhere. So I think perhaps that the nature of your question maybe didn't provide the response that you expected, but I don't think that um, they're actually in line with one another. And again, just to rewind, I think the most important thing is it would be irresponsible not to leave money on the table when this council can at a later date, once questions are answered, and I, I totally get that you have a lot of questions and they should be answered. It would be irresponsible of this council to leave those funds on the table at this time. And one other thing, Councilmember McKeon, you mentioned that they did not have an idea of their operating budget for this. That's not true. They did provide you with that. And you even calculated the, the cost per square foot and said that that was good. So I'm just curious about how we can not move forward. I, again, think it's irresponsible. I'm, I really hope that you all would just consider Joining this item, again, you can always change your mind. You can get more information, but there are certain things that are time sensitive. And leaving money on the table is irresponsible to the voters of Huntington Beach. It's irresponsible also to the people who are on the street. We want to make sure that we're not band-aiding the problem. The idea of this healing center is affecting women, is providing a safe space for women. And you might say, well, right now there aren't a lot of women who are in our shelter, and you are correct because they don't feel often like it would be a safe place. So this healing center is looking to look at other services, again, like mental health, substance abuse, crisis stabilization, all of these things that I know that I've heard you mention before. And I just would hope that we would at least, again, not leave money on the table, do the responsible thing. If your questions are answered, not to your liking in the future, do whatever you'd like. But for tonight, we need to move this forward because it is time sensitive. I'm done, thank you. Councilman Burns. Yeah, I've never heard of free money 
and uh, especially without strings attached. <clears throat> and bottom line is we're kind of uh, trending towards maybe a county function and might encumber us to take on a, a role that the county should really take. I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical that it's just uh, not binding and everything. We're taking it or we're filing for it. If we're not committed to it, why do it? And I think that if it was so important, it should have been done, like I say, before you get a new council who isn't properly informed and updated. That's good. So I, I call the question. Let's uh, substitute motion. Uh, let's put uh, forward the Moser substitute motion. Uh, clerk, call the roll. All right. Substitute motion. Councilmember Kalmick. Yes. Councilmember Council Moser. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. No. Mayor Strickland. No. Councilmember McCann. No. Councilmember Bolton. Yes. Councilmember Burns. Okay. Substitute motion fails. So substitute. Three, four. Now we have a motion before us, moved by uh, to table this item uh, by um, Councilman Burns, seconded by uh, McCann. And that's to table the item. Councilmember Kalmick. Yes. Councilmember Mosier. Councilmember Mosier. Thank you. I'm sorry. What was your vote on that? Yes. Oh. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Yes. Mayor Strickland. Yes. Councilmember McKeon. Yes. Councilmember Bolton. Yes. Councilmember Burns. Yes. Okay. Item pass. Table item 7 0. All right. So next up, members, uh, we're moving to item number 20. Uh, item number 20 was on the consent calendar poll by uh, Councilman Burns. Um, Councilman Burns. Again, I just had questions. This is a 417-page report that we were given, uh, like, with four or five days' notice, and I don't know what it is. I, there was no way I could properly go through that, even scanning it, uh, to give its due diligence to just sign off on saying, yeah, it's cool. So if you can, I'd appreciate some kind of explanation. Yes, um, so this is a um, annual report, uh, annual report required for our development impact fees. And I would ask um, uh, Dale Bolison, our, our CFO, to provide um, some background detail for you. Yes, thank you, um, Travis. Um, I do have a, a short presentation just to kind of give you a background of the reporting requirements as required by the state, if we can pull that up. <clears throat> All right, thank you. So, uh, so per the Mitigation Fee Act, it's California Government Code, um, established the uh, development impact fee. Um, so basically, it requires developers uh, to pay a fee if they're developing on land here to offset impacts of uh, any of the devel development projects within the city. Um, there's different types of development fees. There's uh, parkland uh, acquisition, park facilities fees, police facilities, fire facilities, library. Um, also on the public work side, there's uh, fees that would go towards uh, drainage, sewer, and traffic impact mitigation projects. So all in the efforts to offset any sort of impact with that increased development. Uh, 
based on the California code, it requires annual reporting um, so that uh, we provide transparency to the public. Uh, we need to post it on the website. There was also communication to council um, that I sent out uh, that's required, and also any interested parties, uh, we send that information out uh, to them as well. Mr. Bolson, can I ask a question yes. on that slide? Yep. Um, it says it's it's required by December 31st. Um, wh where is that requirement? Um, so it's um, it's actually in the California code. Thank you. Yep. So uh, this is a summary of all the different funds um, that uh, we collect those development impact fees. Um, there's different uh, pots of money that that are required um, by the California Code in our resolution that it be spent on those uh, specific purposes. So within our uh, accounting, uh, we, we do s account for it separately. Um, in total, our beginning uh, fund balance uh, in the beginning of the year is $24.2 million. There was uh, $2.1 million of uh, development impact fees that were collected, uh, expenditures of $8.2 million for a net decrease of 6.1. Um, and then uh, the ending fund balance, $18.1 million. So uh, typically the, um, there's funds that are set aside uh, through those development projects uh, to work on uh, large capital projects. And I have a listing of some key projects that were done uh, this past year. Uh, Rogers Senior Center redevelopment of $1.8 million, Bluff Top Park improvements, Various other um, projects throughout the city, I have it listed here, I won't go through all of it, um, for that total of $8.2 million uh, for this past fiscal year. Yeah, Mr. Bolson, let me just, um, maybe I could help the council a little bit. So um, this, this is just reporting of what was fees collected and um, reporting of how the f um, fees were spent which were approved by city council. There's no expenditures being approved by this report or anything like that. This is an annual report um, identifying what has happened in this past year. So there's no um, impact either way. All, all future expenditures will be brought to the city council for approval. Right, so these are actually approved as part of the larger budget that council approved uh, this past year, um, largely from our capital improvement budget. Yeah, my big beef is that if it was so important, you had people with eight years experience that just left the council, you have people with four, two years experience, and you hand it to us with five days uh, warning. And I just, I just don't see how you can expect us to really exercise our due diligence. It's, it's just kind of irritates me because I'm just, uh, I'm kind of a stickler for that kind of stuff. And it just, uh, if it's that important. So now my next question is, does it give any kind of, by signing off on this or forwarding this thing, does it uh, give any enabling power by anybody to move with something? Rather than just a reporting of figures, does it give anybody uh, it, so it does not. empowering? Just, yeah, so it does not. It's, it's just a reporting of uh, what happened in fiscal year 21-22. Uh, um, so the reason why there's the timetable is at this point in time, we do go through our audit, closing out our books. So it does take time on operationally to gather all these numbers together uh, to be able to present it. So uh, typically we present it in December just because of the nature of um, doing our year-end entries, working with our auditors, 
getting all the numbers together for council. Okay, uh, but you got to understand why I'm a little irritated about that because I just don't think it's timely and I think it's inappropriate to shove this in front of us with just a few days to scan it and to study it. Because that's, I think it's important, especially if it's 21, 22, you've had six months to prepare this. It just, I, that's the only thing. If that's the case, uh, are you free, are you okay to move if forward? If there's no empowering statements in there that gives people some kind of uh, ability that could possibly have changed and sneaking in there, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, we can go forward. So, so it's been moved by uh, Councilman Burns? I'll second. Second by uh, Councilwoman Vandermark. Uh, clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Councilmember Mosier? Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Aye. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? Aye. Councilmember Burns? Aye. Motion passes 7 0. Okay, so uh, members, uh, next on the item list, uh, it's item number, agenda item number 22. Uh, it was pulled by uh, Councilmember Burns. Um, Councilmember. Yeah, if I can just get a brief staff uh, explanation of what all these letters and everything actually mean. It would be appreciated. Yes, I'd ask our fire chief, um, Chief Haberly, to provide. Yes, sir. Um, so before you this evening is, so as you know, we, we manage our own ambulance company, and we are we do bill through the Medicare Medi-Cal providers. And so uh, because of that billing, just kind of give you a quick overview, and if you have more questions, I'm happy to answer. But because we are a medical billing provider, the previous program, which is called GEMT, is sunset at the end of this year, and the state and feds have put a new program before us. And this new program, what it allows us to do is in the previous, for the previous program we had prior to this, what they referred to in all these numbers is GEMT, Ground Emergency Medical Transport. That program, we were able to receive an additional $220 per transport. In the new program, we're going to receive $946 per transport, which in essence is a potential net revenue for us of an increase of $700,000 to $800,000 estimated based on how many Medicare Medi-Cal transports we have. That what's different about this program is that, in essence, every quarter we get a bill from the, through the federal government. Now, this is an interagency transport, and I know it's, it's definitely a bureaucratic program because it goes through the state, into the feds, then back to Huntington Beach. And that's just part of what we have to do for Medicare billing. As you know, for billing for medical is, is obviously a little bit odd. And so, ultimately, this program, what we do is we'll get an invoice. We pay the invoice up front. When it comes back around to us, we get the increased in revenue costs. So, we're upfronting money. That's why we're asking for the appropriation of a little over 800000 tonight for the rest of the fiscal year because this is a new program. And then what every quarter when we get the bill, we'll make the payment and then we receive an increased revenue going from between the, instead of 220 per transport, we'll get an increase to 900 per transport. So that should give us estimated again of about 800000 more revenue towards the city at the end of the year. And where does the revenue come from? The revenue comes from Medicare Medi-Cal when we were billing, billing those companies for our uh, ambulance service. Thank you. Did that help, sir? Yeah. yeah, it's just another irritating federal government, state, abuse of tax money kind of deal. That's just, it's just, a, I just think it's jacked up. As someone who... <laughs> As someone who was on the health committee in Sacramento, both in the assembly and in the Senate, you're right, it's jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but they still have to adhere to all those 
requirements to go to the federal, state, and get the monies back. Yeah. And they just have, they have to do that just because it is jacked up. It's, yeah, it's a system that can't be fixed at our level. And just real quick, I just appreciate Councilmember Burns. I mean, we, we all campaigned on full government transparency. And so we're not trying to get in the weeds, but it's important that the residents know what's going on and we're not just haphazardly voting on these things without really doing our due diligence. So that's really all we're asking for on this consent calendar. So with that, Councilmember, are you, you okay? Uh, so this item's been moved by Councilmember Burns. Second. Second by Councilmember McKeon. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Councilmember Mosier. Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Yes. Mayor Strickland. Aye. Councilmember McKeon. Yes. Councilmember Bolton. Aye. Councilmember Burns. Aye. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you. Uh, next on the item list, uh, item number 25, Director uh, Brittany Mello. Please introduce your item uh, before the council. Thank you. Yes, good evening, Mayor and City Council. Oh, we'll just wait for the PowerPoint. Thank you. Uh, so before you this evening is your for your consideration is the reorganization of the Administrative Services Department. For your background, in November 2020, the City Council approved the fiscal year 2020-2021 citywide reorganization plan in response to the negative economic impacts of COVID-19 and the projected budget shortfall. A key component of the plan at that time was to merge the information services and human resources departments into one administrative services department. At that time, the administrative services director position was added and the human resources director and chief information officer positions were deleted. It's important to note also that the Huntington Beach Municipal Code in Chapter 2.72, the Personnel System, and Chapter 2.114, the Department of Information Services, uh, are in the Municipal Code which establish both the Human Resources and the Information Services Departments and explain the purview of the HR Director and the Chief Information Officer, or the CIO. Uh, the Administrative Services Director um, is, myself, is leaving um, in January 3rd, and so uh, the Administrative Services team and the City Manager's team took this as an opportunity to reevaluate the operation and see if the current structure best meets the City's needs moving forward. Uh, based on the complexity and the volume of human resources and information services needs at the city, the departments um, are being recommended to return to the prior structure that was um, how the city was organized before COVID-19. In terms of the um, financing, uh, we would need to have one more director, the HR director, um, funded. And so that salary tops out at 224702 And then there's a benefit load of 64250 So combined, this would be a, an annual cost, maximum cost of 288952 Additionally, the non-associated appointed salary schedule uh, would need to be amended and adopted by resolution as proposed in resolution 2022-83. That resolution would delete the administrative services director position and add back the human resources director and chief information officer positions. And so it is staff's recommendation to restore the prior organizational structure of splitting up the Administrative Services Department back into the Human Resources and Information Services Departments and to authorize one additional full-time equivalent position, which would essentially be the HR Director, 
and appropriate $138,140 for the remainder of this fiscal year, uh, as well as to adopt resolution 2022-83. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. Can I ask a question? And during this time, has any other like director's positions besides these, have we added any? Have we added any? No. Yeah, we haven't added the homeless uh, director's position or anything like that. Uh, um, the title of deputy director of homelessness and behavioral health services was added at first under the police department, reporting to the police chief in the last budget that moved over into the city manager's office. So, um, and during the class in comp, the deputy director was retitled to director, um, but it's not funded at the same level as the other directors. I have a question. With this move, is there a way to, to streamline now these two separate departments to find the monies to pay for this, this increase to our budget so it's like a, you know, a zero sum? Uh, yes, we can certainly look at um, other funded positions and see if there's the ability to defund um, one of those positions to fund the extra position if that's the desire of the council. Thank you. Councilman Tomlick. Um, thank you. Um, and I believe we combined the community services and library services departments as part of this as well. So we, we lost a, a department head role at that point too. So we're still kind of net net from two years ago. Um, um, yes, we lost two department heads two years ago, the library director and then um, you know, admin services took over the two. Okay, yeah. And I mean, having IT, I don't know if... Um, Councilmember McKinnon, I don't know if you were on the finance committee at the time when IT came and gave their whole presentation on everything they did. It was, I'll find it somewhere, but it's this, I mean, it's like a 70 page uh, PowerPoint presentation because we're a full service city. So IT's doing police and fire and everything. So it's pretty amazing. And they have like a third the staff of Irvine who doesn't have fire. So um, I think it's, in my day job is obviously IT. So um, I think having a CIO position, I think it's kind of cross-functional too. I think it'd be really important for the city. No, I agree. I just I would like to make a substitute motion that we move this with direction to see if we can defund other positions to to pay for this you know new new uh, head position. I'll second that motion. Substitute motion, Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Councilmember Mosier. Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Yes. Mayor Strickland. Aye. Councilmember Kim? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? Aye. Councilmember Burns? Aye. Motion passes 7-0. The substitute motion passes 7-0. All right. Uh, members, we're on item number 26. Um, let me just uh, tell you that item 26 came forward because of me. Um, when I was uh, out talking to businesses across the city uh, during the campaign over our 110 events, Business owner after business owners, particularly restaurants, kept telling me that they've been, um, all of a sudden, uh, anonymous complaints come in. Uh, folks from the staff, uh, from city staff came in, looked for violations, and really, uh, quite frankly, um, it was really frustrating to hear these, um, these uh, business owners that are trying to just do business here in the city uh, tell us, and, and it was even more disturbing was uh, each and every business that held a meet and greet for us had an anonymous complaint and city uh, staff was into those restaurants right after they held a, a meet and greet for us. So 
Item 26 stems from, I fundamentally believe in the Sixth Amendment. I believe that if people, if there is egregious, uh, egregious violations, that people should put their name behind those egregious violations. And we need to move away, away from anonymous, anonymous quote unquote, anonymous tips that do nothing but uh, harass our small businesses just trying to do business here in the city of Huntington Beach. So that's why this measure is before you on item number 26. Councilman McKinney. What? Yeah, I just want to make clear that this is for uh, uh, code enforcement complaints for businesses and commercial zones only and does not apply to businesses and residential neighborhoods. If there's a limitation to physically go to City Hall to uh, you know, submit the complaint, we, we will direct staff to come up with a you know, scenario where they can submit via email with a photo, et cetera. Um, and we'll obviously ensure identity protections. Um, you know, like, like Tony said, there's been complaints from many business owners that the city has weaponized code enforcement against them. And this hurts our businesses, this hurts our economy. It's not fair to our business owners, and it's not fair to the code enforcement employees. I, unfortunately, I feel we're going through tough economic times ahead. We need the most robust local economy as possible if we're gonna survive this financially. And we need to protect our businesses. I don't see the mechanics of how a business could, to, could uh, retaliate against uh, a citizen. If that happened, then that citizen would then obviously tell the community that this business is retaliating, and said business would lose business, and said business would go out of business. So I don't understand how a business could retaliate. That's one. And so we invite complaints. We're just not allowing anonymous complaints. Um, and lastly, just like I said, the government should not be weaponized against the residents whose tax dollars pay for their government. It's unacceptable. It cannot happen, and it needs to end today. Councilwoman. So when we were out for six months talking to businesses, many of them were afraid. We are, we're already known as a city that's not very business friendly, and the businesses that are here were saying that they were afraid that they would be shut down if they spoke up or said something that maybe somebody um, in City Hall might not like. They shouldn't live in fear. This was only brought forward because they believe and we've seen that our code enforcement has been weaponized. And unfortunately, because of people who do things like this, we're in a position where now we have to remove the anonymity to protect the businesses. Certainly, um, and nobody wants to encourage people to file bogus complaints, but if we have an issue with that, um, you know, I think we need to go about resolving it in a way that's going to be legally defensible and constitutional. So that's it. Uh, on, that, on that note, Councilwoman, I worked extensively with uh, City Attorney Gates to tighten this up. And as we move forward, we'll tighten it up even more to make sure we uh, do that. But I worked extensively with our City Attorney on this item. Do you have a comment? Uh, yeah, I also uh, reviewed the letter that was submitted um, in opposition to it. And, and while it, it came across as a kind of a legal heavy letter, um, there were no statutes or cases that stood for the fact that the city of Huntington Beach could not do this. So with that. With that, do I have a motion? Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, Count, I am sorry. I didn't see Count, Councilman. That's okay. I know it's hard <laughs> when it's up here. Um, I just think that, you know, I think we're here for the greater good. I definitely hear that um, there were businesses that you spoke to that perhaps had things weaponized against them or feel that they did, and that's not appropriate either. 
However, I do think changing this procedure um, per your item would discourage people from calling out hazardous or unsafe conditions. And I don't think that that benefits the greater community. Um, per the letter from the ACLU, and I'll just read that part because I think it is important. And it is essentially what Councilmember Bolton just said, but to the extent the council is concerned that some complaints are unfounded or politically motivated, the appropriate response is to instruct code officers to evaluate whether complaints have sufficient indicia of reliability to justify initiating an investigation, not to burden the constitutional rights of anyone to make an anonymous complaint. I'm concerned about the impact of this. Um, I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. And I am concerned that it's going to chill um, the free speech of our residents. Um, while I do appreciate we, no one should have a bogus claim filed against them or have anything like this weaponized, it seems to me like there must be a better way to approach that than to overhaul the entire process. Well, Councilwoman, um, we could agree to disagree, but I have worked extensively with the city attorney's office to uh, tighten this up as much as possible. But at the end of the day, I do believe in the Sixth Amendment. I do believe if you have something egregious, you should be able to put your name behind it if it's egregious. Um, but what's been egregious has been the process of all these anonymous tips. And uh, I've made commitments to small business owners, and I'm going to do whatever I can to fight for them if I was lucky enough to be in this position. And that's why I bring this measure forward, and that's why I move to this measure uh, as we speak. I'll second. The measure's been moved and seconded. Uh, clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosher? No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Yes. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Yes. Motion passes 4 3. Okay. Next, next on the list, um, members, is item number 27. I brought this measure forward myself. You know, when I first started uh, to uh, inquire about maybe thinking about running for council here in Huntington Beach, I was told uh, time in and time out, you know, um, no one wins the first time because no one could ever raise mo enough money because of s small donor limits. We have over 200,000 residents and usually it takes two or three times to win. And the only outside uh, uh, thing that would allow you to win is if you had one or two of these outside groups who will endorse you and fund your complete race. Um, what I think the current limits are uh, is unacceptable. It makes it really hard to communicate with, uh, you know, someone said $40,000, uh, someone won. Well, yeah, but you also had outside groups of over two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000. I want to get rid of, you're not going to get rid of money out of politics, but what you are going to do is empower candidates where the money goes directly to them and then the citizens know who that money goes to and then they can make their educated choice whether or not. And by the way, special interest, uh, you know, any, any item that anybody receives over $250 is recluded just by state law that they can't vote on that item. So those that say pay for play, it's just absolutely false. This brings forward more accountability into our candidates in our campaigns and that's why I move this measure forward. If it's good enough for the state of California, by the way, I researched most cities do go along with the limits of the state of California, and that will allow us to have more informed citizenry when it comes to elections here in Huntington Beach. So with that, I'd like to move this item forward. Mayor, I have a question about, so I just want to clarify. So the item raises the <clears throat> contribution limits, but does it eliminate contributions from uh, the independent ex expenditure? No, it, it does not. 
because uh, that's a First Amendment. Uh, there's been, as I'm sure you know, uh, Councilwoman, there's been measures after measures after measures, especially after McCain-Feingold, that have gone before the Supreme Court that said, you know, uh, contributions are freedom of speech. And so, therefore, uh, again, I, I believe that, in my experience, uh, it's the, the, the strongest hit pieces are ones that are done by outside groups. They're not done by the candidates because the candidates have to put their name behind that. And so if you want to see less negative campaigning, you pass this measure. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, so on October 18th, uh, we actually approved a measure to come have council, or excuse me, have staff come back in Q1 uh, to discuss uh, campaign, ref campaign reform, including some campaign finance reform. Um, well, I don't disagree that our limits are quite low and, and having prior the prior election it set the record for money raised. It's sitting on the phone all day raising money. The cost of postage is increased. So I don't disagree that our limits are, are arbitrarily low. What I wanted to get was some context again, right? I wanted to see like Irvine's limits are, are much lower than ours bigger city. Um, some of the other cities that have lower limits or have higher limits have districts too, which is kind of wild. Um, you've uh, said two different things. And I want to get clarification. So your item says the state legislature limits, but then you said earlier, you said the state limits. So my understanding is that they are different is that if the city were to go to state limits, those are $2,900, and the legislature limits are 4900 So I wanted no, to get an idea state of state legislative limits. Okay, so I just wanted to, I wanted to understand. State limits, um, and, and by the way, many other municipalities have those. For example, Westminster, smaller than us, right next to us, has zero limits. Someone can give a million dollars if sure. they wanted to. I, would, so, I wouldn't necessarily want to compare I, us to Westminster. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying I, that, you know, okay. uh, again, and, and by the way, this measure, if the state the state already has it on uh, automatic cola that will go up every two year cycle. Yeah. So this measure would go along with wherever the state legislative limits were. I, I, I understand. I, I get that's excellent that we, you know, we adjust it as ours is adjusted. And I'm guessing we'll see the city clerk send an email out saying our limits are going to go to probably 680 something based on, on, on inflation. Um, but what I'd like to see is, is the staff report that we asked for to compare uh, to see what other cities are doing. So we get some context on a per capita basis, right? So an assembly or a state Senate race is a million people. Um, so 4,900. So we're one fifth the size of a Senate district. So, you know, $1,100, $1,200 seems like a, a good trial to go. I just question like why we need to do this today as opposed to, you know, no one's going to start raising money for a year and a half usually before we start running for election. So I'd, I'd like to see us raise our limits, but I'd like a little bit more information and to bring this back, you know, with a staff report. So that just be my comments. Thank you. Uh, Councilwoman Vandermark. Um, just for some context, um, Ocean View School Districts has zero limits, and they're way smaller than we are. I know because I ran for the district in 2018. So this is not wildly outrageous. It's been done in many other cities as well. What we're trying to do is just give the, the give control back to the candidate instead of having to rely on independent expenditures to be in a successful race. Councilwoman uh, Mosier. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I concur with Councilmember Kalman that I do think that we we did vote on an item previously to try to get more context and look at um, possible changes that should be made. I do think that there are changes that should be made. I think that a, a reasonable increase makes sense. I do. I would like more context with um, with regards to which other cities and per capita. Um, hold on one sec. There you go. Um, are what their dollar amounts are. 
Um, but also, you know, I'm going to read real quick. Per a Pew Research report, most Americans want to limit campaign spending, saying big donors have greater political influence. There is widespread and bipartisan agreement that people who make large political donations should not have more political influence than others. And then for myself, my 244 itemized contributions for my 2020 campaign averaged $161. And personally, I want people who are, you know, your regular residents to feel like they have power and can make a difference. And I believe that we should not be adding and increasing our campaign finance contributions at this time, because I think it does the opposite of that. So I think this is a fascinating conversation and discussions. It's really not the amount of money that's really arbitrary. It's actually, if you think about it, this is free speech and local control of yourself, right? It's removing the power of the special interests that you can't control, who can spend unlimited amounts of money on your behalf that you can't control. Rather, if you allow to give it to the individual candidate, then they can direct how that money is spent on their behalf to get their message out and have to report it to the community. So actually, comments were made earlier from the public about dark money. This actually removes dark money because it's out in the open with the candidate getting it. So why are you limiting the free speech and local control of a candidate? So I think the amount of money is actually arbitrary, in my opinion. And if, and if I might add... And, and if I might add, the, the very, the very uh, election cycle that the councilwoman mentioned, there was outside groups that helped that councilwoman that spent over $500,000, but someone like Gracie, who didn't get support from that group, could only get $620 per person. So I think this actually levels the playing field, and it opens it up, and allows the citizens to decide Whoever donates to the candidates, you see in the bright light of day, and then you make your decision on your vote. That, that, that measure's been moved uh, by myself, seconded by uh, Mr. McKeon. Um, uh, clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Yes. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Yes. Motion passes 4-3. Members, next on the list is item number 28. Um, I brought this forward. Um, you know, I campaigned along with my teammates on saving the air show here in Huntington Beach. And I'm looking forward to hopefully having the air show here as a, a long-standing, I'm hoping in the next 20, 30, 40 years, that the air show is here. And with the hope of uh, moving forward on the longevity of the air show that brings in over $100 million to our local economy, I said uh, back then, those who know Cal Worthington, I'll stand on my head till my ears are red to say the air show and things like the air show because that's what brings in revenue into our city so we can have the top law enforcement, so we can have the top fire, first responders. Um, and so therefore, I think it's important that we move forward on a sequel review for the air show and start this process immediately um, and so we can hopefully get that done and have the air show here for the years to come. Can I make a comment? I also just want to provide a little more clarity and, and address some of the uh, residents' comments earlier, but you know, essentially a CEQA, you know, that provides protections for the air show and in CEQA events, the city is always, is always the applicant and cities oftentimes co-sponsor environmental reviews. Uh, 
And oftentimes they'll incentivize a developer or a project owner to cover the cost. So essentially it's the city's investment in the long-term viability of the air show as these EIRs are usually good for 20 years. And as Tony mentioned, the air show brings in $105 million in economic impact to the city of Huntington Beach. And we have the Olympics coming in 28 that we're pushing really hard for. So having a first-class air show protected by CEQA, it just enhances our, our uh, visibility in the, in the world as air show is being courted by the Gold Coast of Australia. So I think it's a really good return on our investment of this amount of money that's, that will bring in $105 million a year in economic impact. So it's been uh, moved by myself. Oh, sorry, Council. Oh, okay. Councilman Kalman. Um, so I just want to be clear that $105 million is not direct payments to the city. It's, it's secondary, squishy numbers that we can't really quantify totally. Um, it's called the economic impact report. Sure. So I understand what it is. Um, something we didn't do for the downtown area. So, uh, so my question uh, comes to, when's, A, there's, as far as I understand, there's no application for the 2023 air show as of yet, correct? That's correct. We've okay. not received one. So, so there's, again, like, I love the air show. The air show's rad. Like, it's, it's super cool. Um, and I've loved it since, since it started. Um, so the precedence that gets set here, right, is this is not for an air show. This is for the Great Pacific Air Show. Um, there's been, you know, we've, we're on a yearly uh, special events permit, which I, I think I, everyone agrees is probably not the right utility for that. But um, we're going to pay, we have no idea what this is going to cost. Um, there's also, I mean, a mild, I think, section 307 violation of the charter for if we move this item as shown because we're directing staff to direct Mike Vig to do something specifically instead of through the city manager's office. I just want to make sure we, we get it right. Um, but uh, on, on that note, yeah, uh, city attorney well, Gates. Yeah, the way the H item is written, uh, request the city manager to return to the city council at the first regular city council meeting. So it does mention Mike Vigliota because he's basically our resident expert um, on the legal aspects of uh, CEQA and land use. So sure. To, so to, just... to, at, to call for his involvement. Um, um, while invoking the city manager to take the lead, I think is not, oh, okay. not, just, a, just, not unreasonable. I just want to make sure that we don't run afoul. So, um, but the, we don't have an idea what this is going to cost. It could, we do the environmental checklist and as somebody with eight years of planning experience and have read multiple environmental documents, um, this can cost $50,000. This could cost a million dollars. Um, I think it also sets a dangerous precedent for the next special event that comes through and says, hey, we need environmental clearance. You're going to pay for us. Um, I, I think it's, it's a very dangerous precedent to set. Most of the time, I can't recall a co-applicant with the city when we don't have a perm, we don't have an application to do environmental clearance for anybody. Um, in my experience, the applicant for the project or the programming, uh, or for the, the event pays for their, pays their way through. So, um, I, again, I, it, it's not necessarily for this. It's the precedent that sets for the next every developer. Everyone comes through and says, well, you did it for the air show. Why aren't you going to do it for us? And I think that that a Any that business entity that provides $105 million to our local economy, I will do this. So the, the motion's been moved. It's been seconded second. by uh, uh, Mr. Van... Councilwoman Vandermark, uh, clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. 
Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Yes. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Yes. Motion passes 4-3. Thank you. I, uh, members were on item number 29 uh, submitted by Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Go, uh, the floor is yours. So around 2019, the city began to appreciate a proliferation of the homeless population in Huntington Beach, just as it was in the rest of Orange County. The increase in homeless individuals sleeping on public benches, public parks, and outdoor encampments in public spaces, and your schools and playgrounds led to an increase in assaults on residents, degradation of the quality of the city's, city's parks and other public spaces. The health and safety issues such as filth, human waste, drug paraphernalia, and other private property items left by homeless individuals strewn through the city, and they were all over public spaces. Many of these public spaces were and still are within the downtown area of Huntington Beach, the, be the beaches and the parks, areas where children play. In December 2020, the city responded to the homeless proliferation by building a homeless shelter in cooperation with the county of this, this Orange County, here in Huntington Beach, and it is a multi-million dollar navigation center that was built. When that was built, former Chief Handy had put together a 90-day plan centered on outreach to the homeless community to inform them of the resources available through the navigation center and the county. And that Huntington Beach, as well as that Huntington Beach, will no longer allow homeless to remain camping and loitering in public spaces. After the 2020 election, the new city council leadership altered this course. As a result, the 90-day plan by Chief Handy was never implemented and little to no enforcement on our loss left the navigation center unused in, in large part and our public spaces are still occupied by homeless encampments and homeless loitering. The city knows through many meetings with federal Judge Carter and by instruction from the Ninth Circuit Court Appeals of Martin versus Boise case that having a homeless shelter like the navigation center allows cities like Huntington Beach to legally enforce their anti-camping and anti-loitering laws. There is no reason at this point, and going back to 2020, why the city has not been enforcing its laws to keep the streets and public spaces healthy and safe. The community knows this and is demanding that the city once and for all bring back law and order to our city by addressing the homeless issue once and for all with the resources we already have available to us. We've come to a point right now where our children are being exposed to nudity. We have five, six, eight-year-olds witnessing people shooting up on Main Street. We have business owners who can't conduct business because they find homeless people in their front doors, and they're getting into physical altercations. Our law enforcement, seven out of eight calls from the ride-along that I went to were for the homeless issue. Our fire department is using significant resources the community has been asking for help, begging and pleading for help for years, and nothing's happened. So at this point, I have some recommended actions. I'd like to direct the city manager and the police chief to return by January 17th to present the following. A full report in accounting identifying all the city's resources, including recently hired appointed city personnel, county programs present within the city, and facilities like the Navigation Center that have been employed or deployed to combat homelessness, as well as a full report and accounting for the Navigation Center's use since it opened in December 2020, including the number of beds occupied over time, utilizing monthly data, where the clients, patrons are from, 
Have they been in Huntington Beach homeless or have they been brought here by the county or other cities? The average length of how long individuals stay and where they go once released, for example, back on the streets, county facilities, or back home. And I'm also asking for a proposal that incorporates former police chanting Sorry, former Chief Handy's 90-day plan on how the HBPD will enforce the city's and state's anti-camping and anti-loitering laws to get the city's public spaces free from the mentioned encampments, loitering, and their related health and safety concerns. And finally, a request for the police chief to give quarterly updates at city council on enforcement of anti-camping and anti-loitering laws. It's time we start protecting all the citizens, not neglect about 99% of the population for a small percentage. So I move, I move the recommended um, motion. I'll second. It's been moved and seconded by uh, Councilman uh, McKeon. Oh. Um, I have a substitute motion and a yeah. comment. Okay. Go ahead. Um, for Thank you. First, I'd like to provide um, the comments. One, uh, I look forward to reporting all the time. I think that it's important to have transparency. I think that the city has done a much better job than it used to do. I actually got involved uh, in the first place, um, you know, really to try to make sure that the systems we have in place uh, were more transparent, that the, the city did start reporting the data. Um, within all of that time, it's been very obvious to me how complicated a lot of that data is, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be reported. And so I welcome and always welcome that. I do recommend um, that there also be consideration with regards to reporting on homelessness prevention efforts as well. We need to not only look at the ways out um, or the ways out of the city or the ways into a shelter or what have you, but also the ways into homelessness and what's being done to prevent that as well as as we move forward, um, looking forward to the care courts that have been implemented by the state of which Orange County will be one of the first ones to implement, as well as looking at the possibilities of homeless courts. So I hope that those things will be discussed as well. But finally, um, and, and I think really specifically with this item, I don't see Chief Handy's 90-day plan attached to this agenda. I don't know if that's an oversight, but what I would like to know is where can I find Chief Handy's 90-day plan today so that the council can review it before it takes an informed vote on this item. Um, so I'd like to ask a question of the chief if he's available. Yes. Is that okay? Okay, yes. thank you. Yes. Chief, was there a written 90-day plan by Chief Handy? So Chief Handy had some, uh, some email notes and he had some uh, bullet points that he put together for uh, uh, former city manager uh, Oliver Chi, and they had discussed that, and they were they had a uh, a plan to go out and uh, address how the uh, homeless would be educated on the opening of the navigation center and the rules regarding no camping once the navigation center was open and the uh, enforcement of that. Okay, but there's no comprehensive written 90-day plan, correct? I have not seen one. Okay, thank you. And then also, have our officers been legally enforcing our anti-camping and anti-loitering laws since we have had the Navigation Center open? So since I've been here, we have been uh, enforcing our laws. Okay, thank you very much. 
Um, so the substitute motion that I'd like to make, um, I'd like to move that we vote on items one, two, and four of this item, all asking for reporting to be brought back to the council and made available to the community, and that we table item three until a later date. Before the council can vote on implementing Chief Candy's 90-day plan, we need to be able to see it articulated. I can't imagine us voting on something that we've never seen, and I don't think the public would want us to do so either. I'll second that. Uh, sub substitute motion. It's been uh, moved and seconded. Uh, clerk, call the roll. Okay. This, this is for recommended action one, two, and four, and tabling number three. Councilmember Mosier? Aye. Oh, I'm sorry. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? No. Mayor Strickland? No. Councilmember McKeon? No. Councilmember Bolton? Aye. Councilmember Burns. No. Substitute motion so, fails. So we have a motion uh, on the floor. Uh, it's been moved by Vandermark, seconded by McKeon. Clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. Yes. Councilmember Mosier. No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Yes. Mayor Strickland. Yes. Councilmember McKeon. Yes. Councilmember Bolton. No. Councilmember Burns. Yes. Motion passes 5 2. Motion passes 5-2. Members, we're on to item number 30. Uh, it's been submitted both by Vandermark and McKeon. Uh, which would like to open? I'll start. Okay. Obviously, a lot of discussion tonight from the community. Um, we all want competition, right? But government is not the solution for competition. The private sector is. The role of a municipal government is public safety, infrastructure, zoning, and being a good steward of our finances, not getting involved in the extremely complicated and volatile energy business. It's been well documented in the press of how much a dumpster fire the Orange County Power Authority is. The CEO of the OCPA has zero, zero experience in the complicated energy sector. About six hours ago, the Board of Supervisors voted to remove themselves from the Orange County Power Authority. <clears throat> if Community Choice Energy stood for choice, the program would allow residents the option to opt into the program, not automatically opt them in. So the whole business model is built on deception. It's impossible to deliver 100% green energy through your outlet, it's not possible. In 2022, the city approved the 100% renewable rate as a default rate for the residents, and this is the most ambitious and aggressive plan that has the potential to impose a substantial financial burden on our residents. Through SCE, currently you can already purchase 50 or 100% of your energy used to fund these energy sources. It's a subsidy. The state mandates that Edison has to provide over 30% renewable energy. The grid can only handle roughly around 30% of renewable energy or else it will melt. California produces so much wind and solar during the day and the afternoon that we actually have to pay Arizona to take it so it doesn't melt our grid. So I understand the concerns about renewable, but the, the community choice energy is not the right way to approach it. So this agenda item simply makes the default rate the lowest basic choice option, and customers can still stay at the 100% renewable rate. And then we're just directing staff to come back to us with options of what it would take to withdraw from the Orange County Power Authority like the Board of Supervisors just did about six hours ago. So this measure's been, this measure's been moved by uh, Councilman McKeon, 
Seconded by uh, Councilwoman Vandermark. Vandermark, you have the floor. So in December 2020, the city of Huntington Beach was entered into the Orange County Power Authority as a founding member. The OCPA is a joint powers authority with three other founding members, including Irvine, Buena Park, and Fullerton. The city council in February 2022 approved 100% renewable choice energy rate as the default rate for Huntington Beach customers, including the city. This rate is the most ambitious and aggressive plan that has the potential to impose a substantial financial burden on our residents in their purchase of energy. Since the city of Huntington Beach pays the highest rates from the OCPA, it is irresponsible to the taxpayers to spend more money than is necessary for a product of service. In all of the contracts with our city, the lowest responsible bid is always chosen. In this case, the higher rates were chosen, yet the power comes from the same source as the lowest rate. This is highly ambitious energy pricing plan for residents. In light of the questionable return on the investment, it should be corrected by the city council in order to protect the residents. As such, the city should switch to a default rate for the city's facilities from 100% renewable choice to basic choice, the lowest rate that is also most comparable to the current SE default rate. As councils, we have the responsibility to protect the city from possible corruption and irresponsible policies. Councilman Kelmick. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I did hear that the county uh, did pull out, so I'll be interested to see how that entails. That was, the initial price tag was $65 million, and they haven't even taken power yet, so I'm really interested to see if staff's able to kind of thread the needle and understand what that cost is gonna be. Um, one of the things I didn't get to report uh, from our Orange County Power Authority meeting uh, was that the basic rate starting in the middle of January from the Power Authority would be 2% at a discount from Edison. Um, and then structurally, the uh, middle rate will be 1% or one, 1 cent per kilowatt higher, and then the 100% will be at 1.5% higher. So you, you will see a discount in your rates compared to Edison. Um, by leaving the power authority, obviously, we, we have no choice. Um, uh, there's only Edison. Um, you cannot actually get the 100% renewable rate uh, that Edison offers. They've capped that list. They're talking about potentially opening it up in 24, but it's unavailable. Yes, the tariff exists, but it's unavailable. Um, the waiting list is, I think, years long at this point. There's about 150 people actually in that tariff. I was, in, I was on the, the website today, so that's... Yeah, it, it's, it's there, but it doesn't, you can't actually get it. It's, it's a, you know, Edison has that fun game. So... Um, one of the things that I asked, had a supplemental communication in here was our uh, greenhouse gas reduction program, um, which is a you know 45-page deep appendix in our general plan. Um, we have general plan policies that call for us meeting our greenhouse gas goals by 20 reduction goals by 2040, and that plan contemplates having 100% renewable or a higher renewable rate. Um, so as part of this, when staff comes back, I'd like to see how we're going to meet that policy because I think this is going to turn into a housing policy the same way where the state's going to start putting teeth into greenhouse gas emission reductions. Since we have three gas emitting generators here, we're behind the curve on what a lot of other cities have. So um, being able to meet these goals, the GHG emissions uh, reduction program, contemplate the CCA, 100% renewable helps us meet that goal. So if we're going to pull that out um, and we're going to go to the, back to the, the dirty mix um, uh, in the lowest tier, I want to understand what the replacement uh, GHG reduction program is going to look like, uh, because that could end up a whole nother uh, ball of wax, especially when this is so simple for the city. I do want to confirm, because again, 
uh, some of your terminology altered, and again, this is wild stuff, so it's obviously, if we want to make sure we're right on the money, um, you're just talking about moving the city's municipal rate down from asking how the process to move our municipal rate from 100% to basic, because you did say you want to move the default rate for residents as well, so I wanted to confirm what, what the actual ask was for this. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask both commercial and residents that move to the default rate of, of basic. Uh, so I'll ask the, I'll ask, let me ask sure. it a different way. So the city, we are, the municipal government has its own bills, right? We have the option to do whatever we want with those. Um, there's the second I, uh, option, which is those folks that are all opted into the power authority now. Um, there would be new folks we add and subtract. People moving in and out of the city, they turn on power. Right. Uh, they're defaulted into the power authority. Uh, are you also asking to move our, the city's default rate when people opt are opted in when they turn up power to something else as well? Yeah, so obviously it doesn't, would apply to existing customers that are at their rate, but new customers coming in, the default rate would be basic choice. If they want to choose to go to the 100% renewable rate, they, they're allowed to do so. But I think the default rate for commercial and residential should be basic. Okay, but, and then you're also asking to move the municipal bill. So that's an unclear from the, 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 the uh, perceived action here. I just wanted to confirm that that was sure. the case. Um, but yeah, I would, I would like to see, you know, there is implications to other state mandates um, in this. And if, as this comes back, I'd like to see what that is. But um, yeah, and again, I want to see that what, what we're going to, the savings from going from 100% down to basic, especially with that 2% decrease, um, and then what it would cost to leave. Like I've, you know, I've been a, a, a uh, someone who has uh, ridiculed the power authority and the way it's rolled out. Um, I still believe in, in the mission of providing um, choice and, and power costs and the ability for those dollars to come back. The power authority, is, at the end of the next fiscal year, will have $53 million in cash reserves. Uh, they'll have paid off their, their debt to their, uh, their lender. Um, and in future fiscal years, as, as the rates tend to stabilize and we're able to buy more and more power, um, those rates would come down, and ideally the middle rate tier would be cheaper than Edison as well. Uh, in addition, the capital money would allow to be able to buy projects. And uh, you know, uh, Councilmember McKee, and I think you'll you'll get the crash course in the power authority at your first meeting come January. Um, but uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, I'm interested to see what those pricing come out. So thank you. Yes, uh, if I might add, um, if our city's uh, goal is to do 100% renewable, I would like to hear that back from the city, and I would like to change that. Um, like the end of the day, I served on the Energy Committee both in the Assembly and the Senate. Um, I'm actually the co-author of the 33% renewable energy. I do like renewable energy, but getting 100% is just not feasible. Um, that that's pie in the sky stuff, and and you know people talk about the cost. Um, so if that's our city goal, I would like to revisit that as a as a city council um, and take that away from being one of our city goals. Um, with that, uh, this this has been moved. It's been seconded. Um, clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. I just wanted to clarify. The motion is to have staff come back with all of this, not to actually make the move right now. Okay, perfect. Uh, aye. Right. Councilmember Mosier. Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Yes. Mayor Strickland. Aye. Councilmember McKeon. Yes. Councilmember Bolton. Aye. Councilmember Burns. Aye. Motion passes 7 0. Thank you, um, Clerk. Uh, members, we're now on item number 31. Uh, this has been introduced by uh, Pro Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark, uh, as well as Councilmember McKeon. Which one of you would like to open on this item? Go ahead. Mayor Pro Tem. So, on November 16, 2021, the City Council provided direction to staff to undertake a redesign of the first, second, and third blocks of Main Street in downtown Huntington. 
On November 1, 2022, the City Council directed staff to proceed from the resultant schematic design to design redevelopment drawings for the Main Street streetscape design for the first, second, and third blocks. In between these two actions, the city introduced a downtown dreaming process in August 2022, which added a new level of community engagement to, redesign, to the redesign process of Main Street. Prior to this, and to this day, comments from the community include that many don't like the idea of the redesigned Main Street at all, while others have insisted that there is a need for more opportunities in order to develop a consensus on the Main Street redesign. While much work has occurred today and before additional investment in planning and design occurs, it is important to take a pause and resume the community engagement to ensure that A, the community supports the idea of the Main Street redesign, and B, that whatever proposal from the redesign of Main Street reflects a consensus of how downtown businesses and property owners, as well as Huntington Beach residents, would like. While not everyone will be completely satisfied with the resultant result of the Main Street streetscape redesign, it is important that the process was inclusive and engaged people in a consensus-oriented way. Another issue that we had while we went downtown, um, the four of us, Pat, Tony, Casey and myself, um, the businesses were not spoken to about re this redesign. As a matter of fact, there wasn't even a financial impact study on how this would affect the businesses. So we, want, we would like to take a pause, look at this over, and then take more caution moving forward. So uh, we're requesting that the city manager to pause the work of Studio 111 Architects and re-engage the community. Return to the city council in February 2023 to share the feedback received from the community and engage <coughs> in another discussion on whether to pursue the Main Street redesign. If direction is given to proceed, council and staff will discuss various options for the redesign for the first, second, and third blocks in Main Street. I just uh, added that <clears throat> this is a, just one of many issues um, in the community, on the campaign trail that, that and we heard about, you know, Edison Park, et cetera. The reason why this, this one is on here tonight is because it's time sensitive, like these others are, because really we're trying to implement our contract with the city. But with every issue we've committed to the community who gave us a mandate from the voters to represent you, that we will take our time, speak to everybody, understand each position with the goal of finding consensus, right? Main Street is very complicated with a lot, a lot of loud voices and opinions. But if we have to have you know, three town halls or three meetings to get it right, our goal is to get it right. And so we want to pause it, reach out to each business owner and the community and find consensus for a plan that makes sense for everybody. So that's been moved and seconded. Um, any other uh, comments? No? Clerk, please call the roll on item number 31. I had, I had my hand up. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Councilwoman okay. Councilman Moser, go ahead. Thank you. Um, yes, first, um, I would like to acknowledge staff for all of their work done um, thus far, and also as uh, Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark mentioned, um, the additional input and community outreach, which was initiated by City Manager Zelenka, I think really did help to kind of move these types of goals forward with getting more community engagement. Um, I think that um, more feedback is fine and good. Uh, I don't have a problem with pausing it. Um, you know, again, I think it's important that the whole community is engaged. Um, but as you also said and acknowledged, um, not everyone will be happy with the outcome. Um, so while I, I welcome more community feedback, engagement, everything that was said, um, I think that to acknowledge that it's likely that there won't be consensus. 
Um, but that's fine. We still need to get more people's um, input. And um, with regards to a financial impact study, um, I think that um, Director Luna Reynoso could speak to that a little bit more. And I'm sure that one will be done, but I believe that it hadn't quite come to that time in the process because they had to figure out kind of what the moving parts were or the not moving parts were before they could do that. Um, but again, I, I definitely think that it doesn't hurt to pause and to get more feedback. Um, thank you. Um, anything else? Uh, clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Councilmember Mosher? Aye. Mayor Pertin Vendermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Aye. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? Aye. Councilmember Burns? Aye. Motion passes 7 0. So, uh, members, we're now on item number 32, uh, presented by Councilmember Burns. Uh, Councilmember, the floor is yours. Obviously, we all know about there's been an uptick in crime. There's been some crazy stuff going on with the shoplifting of various sorts, people walking out of stores with grocery, I mean, grocery carts full of uh, material, uh, people going into stores, like clothing stores, and ripping it off. It's just disgusting. But from my experience as law enforcement, there's a definite way we can attack that. If the person's seen twice, if they've done it, you can go up to escalation of... Uh, there's elements that escalate the crimes from like just petty theft, uh, burglary, or if they res uh, resist, there's robbery. And we start pushing those issues so these idiots get uh, held to answer as they should. We can't tolerate this in this place. And it, I'll tell you the one thing that just shocks me, I've never seen it in my 30-year in my career. I never saw such a team that has been hitting the uh, harbor or Edwards Hill with the burglaries. It's absolutely unreal to me. And uh, we got to address that and be very proactive and monitor the progress that the police are making. So in a nutshell, <clears throat> I'm moving uh, to, for the recommended action as written in the agenda. I'll second that. No, second by uh, Council Member Cohen. Oh, another hand up by Ms. Mosier. Ms. Mosier. Councilwoman. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would just propose for this that we also have a regional comparison when providing reporting to give potential context to any issues. Um, even like the, um, the South American group that is the, um, the cause for those issues in the harbor and Edwards Hill, um, just to understand how that's impacting other communities, um, you know, around Huntington Beach and maybe even beyond. Um, and then finally, um, if we can also, you know, we certainly can always do better, um, but I don't want to infer, I think a little bit like the, one of the other items earlier with homelessness, that our officers aren't already doing all that they can, given the um, constraints that they're um, met with. And I know some of the challenges um, are definitely some of the state level laws. Um, and I think that, you know, as a city, we can certainly advocate um, through our lobbying efforts for those. Um, but I just really don't want our officers um, to get the opinion or impression that we don't think that they're doing all that they can presently. But I, I welcome reporting, and I think that that's a, a great thing to be able to provide to our community and to the council. The main reason for the mo this for me is so the citizens are aware that there isn't any, nothing being done. There is proactive police work being done. Our police are uh, kind of under the gun because they're lower, they're understaffed, and we do 
and I would love to see us properly staffed so we could uh, create better patrol methods or task forces and stuff. But there are regional task forces that we can redirect, maybe ask for help, and there's all kinds of other things, but that's stuff that we don't need to know about. That's between the police and how they make arrests. We don't need to know all their tactics and their uh, what how they do it. We just want to know if they're doing it. And here in Huntington Beach is my main concern, and that's it. Yeah, just on, on you know, most of these items tonight, what we're just asking for is to level set, do an accounting, understand where we currently are, so then we could have measurables to ensure we're improving and doing a better job. So that's, in my opinion, and I know Pat feels the same way, that's all we're asking. It's just a full accounting of where we currently are so we can work to make it better. Clerk, this item's been moved and seconded. Please call the roll. Yes. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Councilmember Mosier? Aye. Mayor Pretend Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Aye. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? Aye. Councilmember Burns? Aye. Motion passes 7 0. All right. Members, members, we're on item number 33. Uh, it's been submitted by Councilmember McKeon. Uh, Councilmember McKeon, you have the floor. All right, the big one. So this is fulfilling the, the last pillar of our contract with the Huntington Beach voters. And that's to unleash Michael Gates to push back against the state mandates. So this should have been done from the beginning, uh, to, you know, to authorize our city attorney to challenge these state mandates that violate our local controls at Charter City. These 13,368 uh, mandated units is outrageous. It's not realistic. The California State Auditor found that the methodology used to derive these numbers is flawed. How can we have a housing crisis in HB when according to the U.S. Census, California Department of Finance, and SCAG data all show our population is declining? If we have a housing crisis, HCD and SCAG need to prove it, and it has to be adjudicated. This to me is one of the biggest threats facing our city. 13,000 plus units is the equivalent of 47 Elon buildings at the corner of Beach and Ellis. That assumes that we would meet all the, the income requirements of those buildings, which you never do. So we're talking 50, 60, I mean, you do the, you do the math. We have to fight this with every fiber of our being. We all committed to that. Members, I, I would like to second that motion. Um, uh, the state uh, wants to urbanize Huntington Beach. Um, they're coming down with these mandates. And if you've heard anything uh, uh, coming from the voters and from the citizens of the city, is that they want us to fight. They want us to fight as much as we can to protect our suburban, coastal community. If you want to live in an urban area, you could have gone to San Francisco. You could go move to L.A. But I will tell you, these, these four candidates, uh, that was a team, we will fight from the very fiber of our body to preserve this coastal suburban community. And so with that, I second that motion. Councilmember Burns. I agree. We gotta represent and do what's right for this community. Uh, the state overreach can't be tolerated. It's been long overdue. Um, the community has been asking for this for a long time, and it's time we just get down to work. So that's pretty much it. Well, count. Councilman Cummings. Thank you, Matt. Um, so I have a couple of questions. So on the recommended item, uh, it's super vague. Um, it says take whatever legal actions required. Um, I mean, 
can you kind of uh, give me an idea of what that actually is? Um, well, that could include seceding from, you know, applying for statehood like San Bernardino wants to, right? Like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, no, uh, the, the way I interpret uh, the ask here is that I would return uh, to council in closed session with a specific proposal. I'm not going to get into a specific proposal sure, right sure. now. Um, all I can say is, um, uh, you know, since the election, we've been doing a lot more research. Uh, we've, we've built up what we think is a compelling, more robust case than we have seen in the past. Um, but I want to consult with um, council in closed session um, about what's required, what it means, where we would file, things of that nature. I'm not going to do it in open session. Um, I will announce in open session when we have actually gotten authorization from council to file and that we have filed. So. Okay. Thank you. I just wanted to get a little clarification on, on what that looked like. And then the second piece, um, I don't understand how we can pass an ordinance and direct uh, opposition to state law. Uh, the builder's remedy, uh, making that illegal. I think that Cal Yimby's guy that called in and said maybe passing a resolution would make more sense to say we don't want it, but I think that the second piece of the... Uh, so, I mean, the way our zoning code's written already, um, based on interpretation, builder's remedies are already illegal um, under our ordinance, and so that's where the rub is, right? Our local control versus state mandates um, or state law. Um, on the same issue, um, and I, the way I understand the proposal is it, it's just a separate discrete ordinance that makes it more express and more clear um, that the city's not going to tolerate builder's remedy. But so, builder's remedy technically is already how so? conflicts. Well, I, I can't get into the, all the zoning right now, but um, and and I don't, you know, in, in, if there's going to be litigation on the issue in the future, I'm not going to get in. I wouldn't sure. get into it anyway. I mean, that's a little hand wavy on like it's illegal, but like, it sh how do you know it's illegal if you can't cite the code? I've looked at it. Trust me. Oh, okay, that's a that's a big ask. Um, most most attorneys don't say trust me; they cite code and verse. So, I'm thank you. But real quick, just to clarify to the community, I mean, H items are more of ideas that we present, and then we're requesting you to come back to us with an ordinance banning that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this has been moved. It's been seconded. Oh, uh, Councilwoman Mosier, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, most of the things that I was going to say were already said, um, but I was curious. Um, one of the things that's consistently said, I believe, is that there's sufficient housing um, when it's mentioned that the population is decreased, or I've also heard, maybe not tonight, but in the past, um, actually a recent briefing with everyone, um, that people are fleeing the state of California. And my question um, to staff, if we have someone there, um, is what is our current vacancy rate approximately in the city of Huntington Beach? I don't know that information tonight, but I can uh, look it up and report back later. Well, if you report that, that back, if you report that back, please also report back how many jobs have left the state of California over overregulation here in the state and moving. Oh, and by the way, um, I do believe there is a census that's done every 10 years. Uh, please report back to the council that after every 10 years, uh, I believe California lost congressional representation for the first time since we become a state. Um, so please report those Thank items so back as well. Thank you. Um, two things, I guess. Um, one is I was pre recently told by staff that there is about a one to 2% vacancy rate. So I think that's important. That's in Huntington Beach, not the state of California. And while I appreciate 
um, the mayor's commentary on the state, and I welcome all of that. I think what's most important is what's happening here in Huntington Beach. So I'd welcome that vacancy rate and anything pertinent to Huntington Beach. Thank you. So we have to build homes for people outside of Huntington Beach is kind of the goal. Or if I hear that, if I hear that correctly. But anyways, um, this has been moved. It's been seconded. Please, clerk, call the roll. Okay. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Aye. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Aye. The motion passes 4 3. Members, we're on item number 34. Uh, this has been uh, submitted by Councilmember McKeon. All right, last McKeon, one. Uh, the floor is yours. All right, this case was much publicized last year and this year. It was used to supercharge the charter amendments on this last election's ballot, and those ballot measures were defeated by a landslide. The, char the charter is clear. The charter is clear. The city attorney is the designated attorney of this city by the people. The, the council can hire outside attorneys, but they must be under the purview of the city attorney's office. What the previous council did was hire an outside attorney behind closed doors and in secret in direct violation of our charter. This violation, this viol, this violation of our charter could, thank you, this violation of our charter cannot be allowed to happen again in the future. And in order to make sure it doesn't, we need to get to the bottom of, of what transpired here. Are we still paying this outside attorney, Craig Steele? How much have we paid him to date? This all transpired from a winnable lawsuit former city attorney Scott Fields brought against the city. In 2018, the council on 10 separate occasions directed our city attorney to fight this lawsuit because they knew it was winnable. Then in 2020, the council abruptly forced the city to settle this lawsuit, which cost the taxpayers $2.5 million. Why? So the only correction I have on this motion, clerk, is to direct you as the clerk to remove the RWG report from the website, not the city manager. And with that, I move this motion. It's been mo moved. Second. Second. Yeah, oh, please go forward. We're talking about waiver of the attorney-client privilege by the present council uh, pertaining to items uh, that were considered by a previous council. Um, absent any indication that we have gotten advice from a competent independent uh, lawyer, about an investigation that involves the city attorney or the city attorney's office, I do not think that we should be um, approving this decision. So I cannot support it. Thank you. All right. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Um, I'm sorry. Who got the second? Oh, Burns. Councilmember Burns. Burns. Thank you. Uh, clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. No. Councilmember Mosier. No. Mayor, Tr Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Yes. Mayor Strickland? Aye. Councilmember McKeon? Yes. Councilmember Bolton? No. Councilmember Burns? Aye. Motion passes 4-3. Uh, thank you. Do I have a motion to adjourn? 
Second. Burns. So we are adjourned. Um, the meeting is adjourned. The next regular scheduled meeting is in Huntington Beach City Council Public Finance Authority is on Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Thank you. Thank you. Sir. Before 10 o'clock. Goodbye. All behind, take it slowly and unwind, and bring the peace back to a torn and shattered world. Let us share with all a Merry Christmas. Let us bring the grace. Flight.